The season four finale of Once Upon a Time is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom. We're the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined, as always, for one of the final times this season. When faced with a selection of pens, he picked the one with the scented eraser, the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, just like Isaac, I'd rather be here than stricken with dysentery and a 40-year life expectancy. That's true. You're, 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 I, you're going to. We were talking before the podcast. You're going to a location with room service and working plumbing. So <laughs> seems like everything's going well in your story. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain. Can't complain. How about- and things are going well in your world, Mr. Bloom. Yeah, they're going they're going pretty well. We're reaching the, the summer months, so it's, you know, the New York City is going to start smelling like we're in the medieval times, so I have to appreciate <laughs> the spring times we have for now. But uh, well, let's not bury the lead here. We have a finale to talk about, but yeah. first... Oh, yes, but first. Pulling out my, my trademark uh, Chen bot here. So... Uh, a bunch of you guys have gone back to us over the past week when we asked about whether you guys would like to see some sort of feedback show or season wrap up podcast in the next couple of weeks. And luckily enough, a lot of you guys did say yes. And that's one of the reasons why we love you listeners out there because you're very active, very positive and always come back to us with feedback. So due to popular demand, we will be doing a feedback slash wrap up show next week. That being said, as it is a feedback show, we do indeed need your feedback. So if you have anything, questions, comments, theories, they can be as crackpot as as you want them to be about uh, either season four of Once Upon a Time in general or what we have to look forward to in season five. Uh, be sure to reach out to us. Uh, I'll, I'll plug our Twitter handles right now. You can reach out to myself at a Mike Bloom type and you can reach out to Kurt at Clark, Kurt Clark on Twitter. Uh, you can always tweet any stuff feedback you may have to us there. Uh, if you are a patron of Rob has a podcast and you're in the patrons Facebook group, I'll start a thread going there for you to put anything you want in there. We're working on getting an email address, uh, hooked up for you if you have like lengthier things that you want to send uh, so that's still TBD but you have a bunch of ways to contact us. Kurt and I are going to be recording that show next Thursday so at the time we're recording this now you have about a week and a half to get all your feedback in so even though you only you have about 9 or 10 days don't shirk your responsibilities here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys so make sure you get in any feedback you want to and next week Kurt and I will come back together and uh, we'll read your feedback out loud. We'll hopefully get to as much as possible. We'll talk about our thoughts on the season and what's moving forward. So that being said, what Kurt and I are going to talk about right now is very centric on the episode itself. We're going to try to refrain from general opinions about the season and about especially about considering that ending what's to come in season five. We're going to try to talk as much as possible about what we saw in the past two hours. And Kurt, I'll start by saying in general, what did you think about the past two hours? Um, I was okay with it. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's exactly what I expected. Like in terms of, if you look back to the mid season finale and the kind of the, the, the time travel that we did back in December was very much handled like the, uh, you know, heroes and villains storyline in, in this two hours, it was something that was kind of kicked off with, 
about two hours left in that part of the season. It was wrapped up after about an hour and a half. And then the last half hour really teed up the, the, the next season. So it, it, it actually fell right in line with what I was expecting. And I, it was it was a fun little experiment that I had some questions with and uh, curious what, what, what you have, what you thought about it. Yeah. So I will say if we're directly comparing it to, I think, what you alluded to earlier, which is the season three finale, which was a very similar format. I think the, oh yes, the season the, three. Yeah, I think the. I mean, the, I know these seasons half seasons seem long enough as it is, but um, I know the creators talked about it beforehand about how like you can even take these two hours or at least the first like hour and a half and make it its own movie. It's it's that kind of separate from the main storyline. I think I enjoyed this finale better than the season three one, just because I mean. Bottom line, Emma infuriated me much less in this episode than she did in the season three finale, um, where it seemed like in the season three finale, things were being progressed along just by the mistakes Emma was making here. It seemed like it had some sort of logical progression and things were a little more action packed. Um, That being said, I think there were some uh, some moments that that might not have necessarily needed to be in there. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But I'd say, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I I agree completely. And, you know, thank you for for. It was a season three finale, not the mid season. It does. It does all blend together after a while. Um, I think I agree with you. I like this. I liked this better. I think structurally I saw the similarities, but I agree that this seemed a little bit more of a nicer package and the actual like kind of 20 minute conclusion tied in a lot to everything that had been happening the, the, the rest of the season. It didn't suddenly end with um, uh, some sort of, kind of arbitrary Disney tie-in. <laughs> yeah, I, which which is interesting because that's the first time they've done that in quite a while considering that even this past half season, granted the Queens of Darkness, two, one of them left, one of them got killed off, and one of them wasn't even in this last episode. She was kind of off-screened. <laughs> but they really like careened off of that marketing ploy into something completely different here. And I think what we have in store for, talk to us, to, for us to talk about this episode is Something very, very meta. I know we've talked, been talking this half season about how meta once upon a time this whole author storyline is, but I feel like this was like definitely the most meta episode, especially once we got to this whole like Isaac being this famous author thing. Like you could tell the writers were kind of lampshading this as like this is kind of what the creators are right now. Yeah, and it's I was actually really intrigued by the I was glad we got a little bit of an Isaac origin story. Um, and, and it, it, and that really, the, the scene in the publisher's office, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, uh, really kind of clicked with me for some reason. Um, what, what, were you expecting to see some sort of origin story about the author? Yeah. So let's dive into the discussion of that since we're going to go obviously chronologically through this episode, because there really were no flashbacks, quote unquote, more of like a flash sideways type of thing. So we start in December 1966. So I guess Isaac's origin story is that he was from our world, which uh, to answer your question, Kurt, is something I did not expect. I think when we saw him in Cruella's world, which was the first time we saw him out of the Enchanted Forest in a flashback setting, it seemed like he had just been this like sort of ageless magical being that just hopped between realms. So I had assumed that he was from those magical worlds as well. I did not expect that this guy is a... TV sale, a failed TV salesman who wanted to be, who was a struggling writer, uh, much like a lot of 20 somethings in New York city, but then is given this opportunity to pick up this magical pen and then go into this magical world. That is, that completely blew my mind a little bit in the first like 10 minutes of this episode. Yeah. I think based on, 
I'm sure there are little clues throughout that I didn't pick up on, but kind of it, the the feel that I got was that Isaac was from the Enchanted Forest in some capacity, and that he had been kind of handpicked there. Um, but you know, I guess we we should have suspected that some of the names that the uh, that the sorcerer's apprentice discussed in in terms of you know, who has, who has classically been the author. They've been names from our world or, uh, you know, Shakespeare and Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so it maybe it's something that we should have suspected, but, uh, I had, I had no idea. I was very surprised by it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would make sense to say, I, I, they probably wouldn't want to give someone from the enchanted forest, the power to dictate the lives of the people in the enchanted forest. You know, you sort of want to pull from outside powers. So I guess, and you know, maybe of all the quote unquote species of these realms here, maybe humans in our world have some of the biggest imaginations possible. I mean, we saw that the next author is Henry who is, was born in this world. So maybe, maybe, uh, in our world, we have the biggest imaginations out of anybody in any possible universe. Right. We do have to remember that the the you know, the role of the author is to kind of propagate and to capture and to share stories. They're not supposed to mess with reality. Isaac was kind of unique in in that in that uh, in that regard, um, which I think also says something about uh, you know our world as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's very very true. Like, oh, it's like it, you know, even even it, he almost represents like the American as well as a view to like foreigners. Like, look what this American's doing. He's being rude and he's rewriting history completely. Boo to the American. Yeah, we later on we even see more rule breaking from from Isaac. So uh, I think you know he was kind of that 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 new hire that they kind of sweep under the rug. Is again, like, yeah, you know, there's. We didn't actually hire him. He was just a test case. And uh, let's move on to another author. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about this scene in the publishing office because, A, it's interesting that the apprentice, that's like the apprentice's guys, you know, it's like his money laundering scheme is that he he owns Star Publishing. We'll see the author in a lot of these like modern day clothes this episode. It, it's a little jarring to me. I don't know if you feel the same way because I feel like his like long beard and long hair isn't suited for like the business attire or, or like when he's in these, sto- when he's in Storybrooke, he's wearing like khakis and a polo. Like I kind of wanted to just like cut his hair or something. If he's going to be dressing like that. The, the apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. He, it was, it was a little jarring. Um, you know, it, kind of, it was kind of an interesting mirror to the, even like later in the episode when we see the, uh, the author in the Enchanted Forest in modern day clothing. So yeah. like, so it's like I, I wanted to give them both kind of a reverse makeover. Um, but it, it was, Cloth, I know, clothes swap. Exactly. Uh, new, new coming to ABC, a new summer reality show. Um, it's although I really did like this scene. There was something just really interesting about walking into the star publishing offices and it's this huge empty office with except with a dead desk at the end. He turns to leave and suddenly somebody's there. And the whole, you know, act of uh, you know, this doorway appears. I know this this kickoff for instance, season one, this this scene here could have been the season opener, the series opener of a completely new show for ABC. And it would have like drawn me in. I was just really if this was how a series started. I would have been sucked in. It's like, okay, there's somebody who gets hired to be an author. What's this about? I don't know. I just, there's something just really tickled my imagination about this opening scene. And I want, I was glad that we got it. Yeah. If, if someone's assembling chronologically once upon a time, I guess this would be the first scene in the chronology, right? Because once, 
I'm assuming like the Enchanted Forest yeah. was kind of created after Isaac and the Apprentice showed up. So maybe this is maybe this is sort of the origin story of Once Upon a Time as we know it. Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier about how an author couldn't have come from the Enchanted Forest because somebody technically had to write it and create it. I mean, this almost lends credence to it's it's not so much another dimension as it is a world that lives only in story, and that's kind of how it has has gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I did did think something was interesting how that he refers to or the 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 apprentice <laughs> the apprentice refers to how you know they're their last author, the author recently passed away and Walt Disney did pass away in December of 1966. Yeah. So, so there's this, this nice kind of chronology there in terms of, uh, you know, this, the, you know, Isaac is the immediate successor to Walt Disney. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I, I know, again, they, they mentioned Walt offhandedly, as you mentioned before, when he was listing off authors, but I think that's a, that's a nice little Easter egg there. Yeah. Though I wonder if Walt Disney was, stricken his power stricken from him as well for using it for the wrong reasons <laughs> we won't go too much into no 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 we're not gonna see a song of the south season anytime soon on once upon a time <laughs> oh you know, like, you know season five isn't gonna be all about Br'er rabbit <laughs> oh boy i think uh if they're if they're if they're if they know it's gonna end after this season that's what they writers must just be like you know what screw it yeah let's make a Br'er rabbit season <laughs> no it's yeah it's, it's it's either that or an all rescuers season um <laughs> oh boy that's specifically one shot from the rescuers <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's it was it was it was an interesting way to start the episode that I didn't expect. It was kind of a back it was like backstory that I didn't know I wanted, but I was glad that I got it. Did you enjoy the whole uh, pen test? It reminded me again going back to Lost references. It reminded me very much of when Richard Alpert visits a young John Locke and throws a bunch of stuff in front of him and says like, "Pick three objects." Uh, it was very similar for like you. We must see if you are worthy by picking the weirdest looking pen. For me, it felt a little bit more Matrix-like in terms of, you know, which pill do you take? Um, and and it, it I, I, I enjoyed, it also felt a little bit like the um, kind of wand selection from Harry Potter in terms of yeah. which pen, which pen is it that is speaking to you? Because you must choose, you must choose the, the pen that uh, you have a connection with. And, and yeah, he chose wisely to quote indiana jones in the last crusade <laughs> yes exactly he picked the holy grail equivalent of of the pen so yes. he he heads on through the door but here we flash back uh which was i mean i didn't know how this this episode was gonna be formatted i thought there yeah. might have been flashbacks but i was like oh are we going back to this but no we're kind of uh chugging forward here we're back in modern times as our heroes are trying to trying to just figure out what to do they're looking through all these books in the mansion and they're finding that you know the author's gone all the pages are blank and we get the return of a character that we haven't seen in what like four or five episodes august yeah i mean it, it it's pretty i mean it's relatively recent given how long a gap there was without august yeah, I'm, for like i guess a I'm, thinking like, I'm thinking like four or five weeks maybe because we had we yeah. took that week off in between it's i wasn't i wasn't at all expecting to see him again and it was kind of a it was you know what? Honestly, it was given the role he plays and kind of pointing them towards the apprentice. Uh, he wasn't really there for a whole long for, for a whole long time. It was it, it was kind of strange, like just stepping in to help with a very specific thing. And we don't see him the rest of the episode. Yeah, well, I remember the last time we saw him, he was kind of knocked out. Right. Because that's when they brought they ended up bringing the author to life and he escaped. So I guess he was you know, indisposed and wasn't able to give them information, but I'm assuming he came to at some point 
figured out where they were and said, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I know I don't remember anything more about the author, but uh, this is this other guy. I don't know if you know him, Sorcerer. Uh, I got some stuff on him if you need it. I don't know. Maybe. Here's a sketch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I drew his face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I If I was an, if I was August, they'd be screwed because I could not draw for the life of me. It'd be a stick figure with a beard on it. Yeah. Is that a nose? No, that's an ear. How come he has... <laughs> So he doesn't have two noses. <laughs> yeah, you know, Phuket's a weird place, guys. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It, I, I like August as a character. It was nice seeing him again, but it seemed like very, you know, one note is not the phrase I'm looking for. But it was, well, no, it was he, very, he was, very. He was, he was Mr. Exposition in a leather jacket, basically. Yes, that, that's exactly it. Uh, he, he, he helped grease the wheels of progress in the plot. Yes, exactly. The wheels on that motorcycle. So he, yeah, so he, he lets them know. Also, interestingly enough, that he met both the sorcerer and that, that character, the dragon, in one place. Yes. I guess Fouquet is home, is home to like all of these mystical beings that we don't even know it. Yeah, it, I, I was actually half expecting him to uh, reveal that the dragon knew where the uh oh no when, when when someone who was it that said that they've they've brought in somebody who would help them find the sorcerer was it emma emma Maybe? um but I, I was i was thinking that it was going to, that there was going to be some sort of actually return to the dragon or i thought that that um when august came in he was going to connect them to the dragon and that's how they're going to get to the sorcerer somehow but we know the dragon is supposedly no longer with us yeah um so, but no, you know, just very quickly and easily. Hey, yeah, the sorcerer probably knows a lot about the author. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, they're trying to figure out how do we find the author. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, I think the sorcerer might know. I thought he was going to point them to the dragon instead of the sorcerer. But, you know, it, it worked. <laughs> it, it worked. And, and I know we put this on our list of things we wanted to see in the half season. Better late than never. We finally got the apprentice out of the freaking hat box. Yeah, it was a lot easier than I expected it to be. Yes. Why did they not choose? Like, Hook could have been like, hey, uh, just so you know, there's this other sorcerer. This is a really big magical being. He seemed like a pretty good guy when I sucked him up. Uh, we may want to bring him out and help us with our problems. I know I know, we're a little rushed for time, but really it'll take like two secs. Yeah, I, I, think, the, uh, they, I think it was a situation where, uh, you know, Hook was kind of embarrassed by what he did and didn't really want to confess to Emma that he had done this bad thing. But when it kind of push came to shove, he's like, you know, it's like, I know where he's at. He's in the half box. I'm really sorry. And Emma's like, Oh, it's fine. You know, gold. you know, it wasn't, it was gold that made you do it. It wasn't you. And so everything is good. Yeah. So like if he, if he had just kind of trusted Emma to forgive him, I agree. He probably would have revealed you know, by the way, it wasn't just the, uh, you know, the nuns slash fairies who are were in the half box. There's some other people we need to pull out of there as well. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the fairies, we get uh, one of the only appearances of the mother superior for uh, I, I, she's been off even longer than August, I feel. But again, yeah. she serves the plot very conveniently saying like, oh, I have this magic. Bring put the broom right next to the hat box. Always alive. I'll grab my check and I'll see you next season. Yeah, exactly. It. it this this can these opening scenes in Storybrooke between August showing up and pointing them towards the sorcerer as a way to find the author and then you know Hook knowing where the author is and the blue fairy being able to really you know easily get the sorcerer out of the <laughs> out of the hat um, 
it, it, it seemed to go by very quickly. And just like, we need to make these things happen in order to get on with the rest of the story. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I'm happy with it, but at the same time, like these are things that could have been accomplished. Like, Hey, maybe you don't go to New York for a second. Uh, I know Robin Hood's doing some weird stuff, but why don't you just hang out? We got these two people that will really have great information for you and we'll get this immediate problem settled right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but you know what? It, at the, at the end of the day, it all got done. Yeah. Very true. So let's flash here to the pawn shop where Isaac is finishing the story. And I guess we obviously didn't know what the writing was like, but I didn't, I guess I didn't assume that he would have to write an entire story and finish it. I thought he could write like one line at a time and whatever happened would happen as it, as it went along. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. We talked a little bit last week about the difference between kind of some experimental writing and Mm -hmm. some official writing. So maybe the fact that uh, if it's just on a scrap of paper, all that has to happen is you need to just put a period at the end of the line and it happens. I think we kind of saw a little bit of yeah. that with, with Isaac, uh, in the last, in the, in the Cruella episode and a little bit with Henry in this episode. Um, but then, but when it's in a book like the heroes and villains book, that is maybe like magically treated in some way, uh, that you actually have to like cap everything off with the, for a story with the end. And then everything will, it's, it's like, it's like putting the entire thing of dominoes in place before you push the first one. He had to set up the entire thing and writing the end is kind of like pushing that first domino. Yeah. But in the process of setting up those dominoes, he had to be like gold. Uh, what do you think? What if I place this domino uh, next to the bouncy ball that will roll into the other ones? But you know, come to think of it, like I wonder how long this writing process was yeah. as well. Did he have all these ideas stored up or was like gold helping him along? That's true. It's like he seemed to maybe he can write very fast. Maybe that's his 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 power as an, an author. Um, yeah, he that that's a really good point. He kind of had to fill a lot there to flesh out the entire world and story. And it doesn't seem like he necessarily had a lot of time to do it. But uh, yeah, but he got we, it done just in time. And we <laughs> see it, it, it like it wasn't just again a few pages. When we see it, it become like a fully published book, it is a pretty thick book so you he wrote yeah. probably hundreds and hundreds of pages and poor gold's like lying there dying the entire time being like please write quicker yeah i'm can you can the author ever have a typewriter um this is like a magic magic you know, typewriter a, a magic like ribbon uh, ink ribbon that you can use what if what if uh, it runs out uh-oh then you gotta find another squid or something or whatever yeah, the so. ink is made um it's and then I'm also I want to know like to what kind of collaboration process this was too. like did did he because it seemed like he was trying to you know we saw at the very end he wants he's you know kind of questions him about the how he wants to handle Balefire's uh, you know memories uh, and 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 some technicalities around that but I'm wondering if the entire time was he like checking in with gold. He was just lying there dying. And did he, did he have a lot of freedom to write whatever he wanted? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I wonder if this is sort of like a big eyes thing where gold writes the whole thing and Isaac goes, and now this is my work. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I guessing, you know, that it was, that it was probably, I'm guessing about 85% Isaac, 15% gold. Yeah, but like he goes more like his editor. So speaking on that point, what did you think about that? Because Balefire gets brought up a, at least two more times that he was brought up the entirety of season four. Um, did you like this whole this little end of the scene from Gold where he basically tells Isaac, you know, Isaac offers, 
I can make you forget about your son's death, but he in- instead decides to remember it as kind of like a, a wound almost, like a, a, a scar or like a pain that, that almost feels good to him. But at the same time, he wants the story to be changed a tiny bit where it wasn't his, he, he won't remember that it, his son left him because he was a coward. Uh, it was because he was a hero and his son died thinking his father was a hero. Yeah, I was I was fine with it. And I, I don't know to what extent um, it was brought up to in case like viewers had questions about, well, can the author just bring Balefire back? And I didn't know if they kind of had set up the question just so they could answer the fact or hear the rules that we're playing by. Um, but at the same time, it there are, you know, it is there are conversation points about it in the Enchanted Forest when we when we get to the heroes and villains storyline. Um, so I was, I was okay with it. It, it seemed like a little bit, I was half expecting when, when, the, when it was brought up as a topic, them to like, I can bring Balefire back and I thought yeah. we were going to maybe see a cameo or something, uh, which would have actually, I thought, you know, it would have been interesting. But uh, if you did that, if we went, if we kind of, you know, uh, threw away this rule that the apprentice brings back later that you can bring back people who like died uh in that fiction that the author created but you can't bring back people that died previously and the author kind of brings up this weird rule of he died in in the real world so he can't be brought back but if you brought him back you'd bring back like let's bring back gus the mouse let's bring back uh i I don't know who else uh let's bring back who else cora cora's back too like there if you bring him back you have to basically unleash the entire pandora's box of previously deceased characters and maybe you know maybe the author only had a soft spot for balefire (laughs) you know i really really like the balefire emma pairing Uh, i know i know people aren't usually a big fan of that but uh, what would you think what if i uh, write a love scene for them yeah it's uh yeah you're probably right it was just, it was just best to avoid the whole sticky situation uh love you, oh, yeah. you don't you, you don't <laughs> want to do that there's a really complicated thing with hook he's really not going to enjoy that yeah um but guys i was i was i was good with the the mention i was a little surprised by it because it was like oh yeah Bellfire. and he's getting mentioned an awful lot this episode yeah, he. Which again, I I don't think anything came of it, which is weird because usually on this show when they foreshadow something that ha- that has happened a long time ago, that means that something convenient is going to happen. But no, unless that convenient scene was Henry later on saying like, "Hey, apprentice, I want to bring back my dad." Yeah. Oh, Henry, let me explain these rules to you. I like how he- the apprentice is now Santa Claus. <laughs> he looks a little Santa-like, doesn't he? Ah, he oh. if, if there's another Christmas movie, that live-action Christmas movie that comes out sometime soon, they could totally get him to play Santa. Yeah. <laughs> you missed these rules earlier when Isaac was talking about them in the pawn shop. Let me reiterate for <laughs> that you. That actually would be really funny if he's like, <laughs> I'm not the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm actually Santa Claus. Yes. If you Ooh. believe in me, Henry, that means you're the author now. I could, yeah, I, I could see there being room for a Santa cameo in the Once Upon a Time universe. No, 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 no. There cannot. Santa Claus cannot have a role in Once Upon a Time. Oh, it's because he's real, and you can't have real people in Once Upon a Time. You can only have you can only, Santa Claus. <laughs> you can only have fictional characters in Once Upon a Time, Mike Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because Santa Claus is real, so he's he theoretically cannot be in it. <laughs> there you uh, go. So let's let's stay on the Henry course here, because as Isaac finishes the book, it seems like everyone disappears, and this speaks to a larger question: 
were you, how did you feel about Henry kind of being front and center for this first like hour and a half? He basically is the hero. (laughs) Um, I was, I was okay with it as much (laughs) as I'm not the, uh, as long as I'm not, I'm not the biggest Henry fan. We haven't seen a lot of him this season. No. And I, and I was fine with him getting his, uh, you know, 45 minutes of fame over those two hours or whatever it boiled down to. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of the, 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 kind of the, the, the classic trope of uh, uh, he, he was going through the journey, but he was encountering all these characters along the way. And I think even he was almost, he wasn't necessarily instrumental in the action that took place, but he was instrumental in carrying forth the information from person to person. So like, you know, later on, I'm talking particularly in the enchant forest in terms of spurring along Regina to do particular things or Emma to do particular things or hook to do particular things. He was kind of the driving force behind other people. And I, so I was fine with him being there the entire time. Yeah, I got us. And you know, this episode I feel like was all about throwbacks and this was a fun throwback to, for a while when we get into the book henry being the only person that knows what's going on and everyone kind of being in disbelief and i think jerry gilmore did a pretty good job of it there is one moment coming up in the episode that i think he was absolutely dreadful during uh that i'm sure we'll talk about but i think he did a pretty good job like you said henry has been mostly relegated to the background for basically the past 20 episodes. So I'm happy that the writers were at least able to throw this little bone and say like, Hey, you know what? You might not have, you might've eaten Cinnabons and donuts for the past, you know, at least a dozen episodes, but you know what? You'll get your own little main part during this little two hour movie we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I I was, I was fine with it because I knew it was, I knew it was going to be a kind of a one and done thing. (laughs) Uh, So Henry wakes up in the loft and, he has the, the the page with the door on it and the key, which the source, which the apprentice asked them to get to trap Isaac again, and he finds that nobody's there. Kurt, is this the worst spinoff of The Walking Dead you've ever seen? Uh, it was a little yes. <laughs> I want I want Henry to wake up in the hospital and there, you know, for you know the certain doors to be boarded up, and um, yeah, it was it was a little, it was it was yeah, it was it was it was quite quite Walking Dead. <laughs> Quite to the point of where he decides to break all the rules and just commandeer a car and drive it out of town. Yeah, I, I was like, "Is that? Is he? He? Yeah, he's yeah." He's I was like, driving. "What? What is he doing?" <laughs> Joyriding, young Henry. You should not do that. Um, yeah, he goes to a random, random diner on the outskirts of Storybrook. <laughs> yeah, to say like, hey, have you? He happens to have like Polaroids of all of his family members. That was odd. <laughs> have you seen this person and this person and this person? They're all in sh- separate shots that I took while they weren't looking. Yeah, and uh, and I'm also in some of them myself. So uh, it's the longest selfie stick ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Henry would be the kid walking around with a selfie stick, trying to take pictures while everything's going on. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot easier. Yeah, you know, it's a small nitpick, but. Just like whip out your phone and open your photo album and then swipe through the pictures and show them to the hosts. But we remember, Kurt, we, the, the levels of technology within this town is varying. So for all we know, Henry could have like a, a Nokia phone from like 2003. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't have some sort of like, you know, big old scrapbook that he just plops on the counter and has like pictures of people, and little articles and excerpts from stories. And I, I could I could see Henry going a little bit mad with the uh, story storybook scrapbook. Yeah, he's definitely a, he's a scrapbooker. Yes, a scrappy scrapbooker. 
Yes. Yeah, so while he's at the diner, and I actually don't know how many diners have paperback novels on the, the I was turnstiles anymore, but <laughs> I was thinking the same thing too. It's like, is this like a Cracker Barrel, but like without like strange wooden knickknacks? Like there's like a gift shop kind of like right off of it, off the main you know waiting area. That, that could be. So instead of like DVDs of the Cosby Show, this gift shop sells copies of Heroes and Villains, I and mean, we we cut immediately to New York, and Isaac is. Uh, he's written a fantastic life for himself. He's a, a famous author. And this is when I, uh, when I was talking about before in terms of there's definitely some meta moments here, specifically with people like cosplaying as certain characters yeah. and the one person coming up to him and being like, I love Regina. I hope she gets her happy ending. I'm sure that's an exact conversation that the creators have had with a fan at some point during a convention. I didn't thought about that, but you know what? I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's it's fun. I like that they're able to embrace that sort of thing because it's such a big part of obviously their fandom, but they're not able to embrace it just because of the setting they're a part of. Yeah, it's it it, it was this was perhaps the this scene of the, the book signing tour was perhaps the most meta moment of the the show in terms of it being self aware about what it is and the fans and the, like you said the cosplay. Um, it, it was it was interesting. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it got put to a stop very quickly as Henry threatens him to put him to put him back in the book. Also, can we, Isaac's signature is very lackluster. Shame on you, Isaac. You literally just scribble on a page. That is that is poor penmanship, sir, for someone who wields such a powerful pen. Just doesn't doesn't he, he seems he does seem like a little bit fed up with the tour, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get that sense. Do you think that he was like getting tired right. of the life he wrote for himself? I, I was maybe like in terms of the interaction with the with with uh, Regina fangirl. Maybe that would be. He just wanted to get out of that situation. Yeah, I guess. What What do you think would be the equivalent of that in the real world? Would it be like if someone came up to to George R R Martin and is like, I don't know, like, um, oh man, I love Tyrion. I hope Tyrion does things. I really like Tyrion. Except like a a like less popular character, maybe. <laughs> like oh, I, I, I love Podrick. Is there going to be a Podrick centric storyline in your next book? Exactly. I just love Podrick. I'm a I'm a I'm a pod girl. Oh, no. Podcasting. Yes, exactly. I'm a podcaster. So Henry is able to Henry's acting very adult uh, now that he's on his own. He's driving cars. He's threatening people. <laughs> and Isaac, uh, you know, shows off the book that he happens to have the original copy with him. And basically he says, you know, I wrote endings for all of them except for Emma uh, because uh, and we we'll find out later that the reason Emma there's Emma has this weird ending, which it's totally the equivalent to me of like the Austin Powers thing where Dr. Evil puts them in like the shark tank, but closes the door with one guard and like doesn't watch what's happening. Like that's totally equivalent of like, oh, we're going to get Emma, but we're going to make her remember any everything so that she'll be tortured, even though if someone frees her, she'll be able to tell everyone what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the place to talk about it or later, but I completely bought the authors saying and believing that Emma's not in the book. There's no room for a savior in the story. And I was wondering when it's revealed later that she is there, if that was something that happened kind of without the author knowing, like I so said, I didn't know which way to kind of go on that was the author was Isaac lying to Henry to get him off the trail. Cause he seemed actually at the time, he just seemed very genuine and forthright about it and didn't seem, it seemed like if, it, if he was lying, that we might have given like the, the writers might have given us a little bit of a wink and a nod. Um, 
because the way that I was wondering is did Emma just through the force of the story and the force of her her being is like he couldn't just eliminate her. She was a she had to be there just because she was the savior. Like yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't know if the rules mean. Yeah, I don't know if the rules are that you you have to you can't yeah you can write out a character. You know, it's not like yeah. maybe, maybe when he meant that like she wasn't in the story, he like wrote her off in one line by saying like oh, and they shipped the Emma Sorceress off to an island and chained her up in oh, a tower. Yeah, and I I do have to say that I I took note of this. My prediction at twenty one minutes in the episode into the episode, Henry becomes a new author. Mm-hmm. I called that. I was so proud of myself. That's the only thing I called. Yeah, but, well, yeah. You, and, and I don't know how big it's going to be. We'll talk about that on the on the uh, the next the next the uh, next podcast. But yeah, uh, I'll 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 give a quick shout out to some of our listeners, uh, and you know who you are, who who have told us also for weeks and weeks and weeks that a Henry's going to become the author and BM is going to become the dark one. Both of them came true. So everyone should give themselves a nice big pat yes. of the backs. We'll give yourself a few seconds to do so before you move on. But uh, congratulations. That means that you're now officially a writer on once upon a time. Your pens are in the mail. Uh, so Henry still, you know, he wants his family back. Isaac brings up this, this good point though, that apparently and, and the time that passed or in the story, because uh, Isaac wrote a happy ending for himself. I guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back and he was somehow stripped of that power. Is, is, is that like an unwritten rule of being an author that you can't write about yourself? I don't know. It seems like there's several rules and I don't know if they're, they're written or not. Like, you know, they're not even supposed, I mean, I don't even get the whole thing about how they're not supposed to change the stories that they're telling Say, well, then why give them the magic? I mean, just give them a like, good, you know, publicity. Um, so it's, it's, we knew that one of the rules is you're not allowed to change the stories. It's like, okay, you can, if you break that rule, that's one thing. But if you also break the rule about giving yourself a happy ending, that's even a worse rule. <laughs> that's it. In yeah. my office. Exactly. So it's, there, there are, there are definite rules apparently. Um, but all the rules seem to hinge on the fact that this is a magic pen and we don't really know enough about the, you know, the job description of the author to know how much of it actually does require magic. Um, but yeah, if you're not supposed to actually change the stories, then don't give them the power to change the stories. Yeah. And I, I mean, if, if Isaac was aiming for this happy ending, it was a uh, good planning on his part. Cause he, he, I think if that's the case, he purposely did so, so that he'd be stripped of the author title and he wouldn't have this power anymore. Yeah, I did. I did get the impression that, um, I, that the, it was legitimately stripped of him because he did this. And I, I, I don't know to what extent he, did he do it with knowledge that, you know, this is my last hurrah. I'm going to give myself a happy ending. And then everything is going to be done from a magical powers perspective. Or did it come by as come to him as a surprise? Like, oops, I did that. No, I don't have powers. I wasn't expecting that, but now I got to live with it. Yeah. Like the equivalent of, uh, when Jafar becomes a genie at the end of Aladdin, like he didn't realize exactly what he was saying. Exactly. Who knows? I'm. I am a little saddened that we didn't. That we maybe Aladdin will come up in season five, but I could have sworn that's where we were going next. So that was that was my wrong. One of my very, uh, one of my many wrong predictions of the night was that we would do some sort of Aladdin thing next. Oh, uh, you know what? We potentially could still do one next. <laughs> yes, Aladdin's <laughs> hanging out with Merlin. <laughs> yes, Merlin is actually Jasmine. Oh no. 
So Henry grabs the book despite Isaac's best wishes and he turns the key. And this is, you know, we referenced the page master, I think a while back, a long time ago, once we first started talking about the author, but we really get our big page master reference here when both Henry and Isaac get sucked into the book and they end up in this uh, village and Isaac is angry. He's miffed that he's back in this location where he didn't want to be. So he knocks Henry out, ties him to a cart and tries to feed him to an ogre. Yeah. Well, what did you think earlier about Henry body tackling Isaac? <laughs> well, Jared, Jared Gilmore's getting up there in height. I'm assuming yeah. he's got a, he's got a good amount of weight on him. Yeah. It's, it's, so it was it, that that was kind of fun to see. It was a little unexpected, but it was kind of just as fun to, to see him slapped upside the head with the shield, to be honest. Yeah. Which is I mean, and Isaac's got to have a good, powerful arm as well if he's able to knock Henry out with just a shield. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's uh, he wakes up. He said tied to tied to the the cart and um and you you kind of get the feeling now that isaac is going to use his knowledge of the story in terms of like who is who is where and when and what they know and what they don't know in order to kind of navigate himself around like he kind of you know said ah just in time the the ogre is is here and then he also figures out that okay so based on this we're kind of in the final chapter of the book yeah and, and lots of timing implications in terms of the urgency of the quest knowing that they are in the final chapter yeah i'm, I'm happy about this because i brought it up last week that I, I wish we we got to see more of this like evil isaac if he's apparently this huge magical character and we got we got a lot of it this episode i would i would call him the main antagonist because you know rumpelstiltskin's kind of off on his own cringing in a corner but we really get to see a lot of isaac's dark side here specifically in the next like hour or so where it's it's him basically pitted against our heroes to say i want to keep everything the same so even though he's dressed in that in that modern day that anachronistic clothing uh he's behind the scenes like you said he knows the story it's a true kurt that this scene was filmed with the remnants of the set from the quest i would not doubt it uh and, and so we had what we had pal Paladin Rumple coming in yes. and, and saving the day. I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, does does is Rumple a paladin? Because I guess would Henry be a paladin? Uh, which is does Shondo have a cameo as an extra in this team? <laughs> That's the only name I think I remember from the quest is Shondo. 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 And that's, or, or, and that's me uh, cross crossing the Who Done It. Don't and, cross and the, the ABC quest. reality streams. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I think I think you could almost consider. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin here to be a paladin. The paladin is a a a a uh, a fighter for the good and for the holy. Uh, and so I think you know the the fact that I even made in my in my notes is like so. It seems like the magic he's using is he's he's not a the dark one. Is he actually the light one? And we actually hear later on Bell refer to him as the light one. So if he is this the same powers as the dark one, but the opposite side, the side of good, uh, then I, he could very much be a paladin. <laughs> Uh, do you think the light one is just a nickname in reference to his skin? Um, no, nah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna assume that it's the 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 diametric opposite of the the dark one. Although his skin is quite light. Yes. So he so he blasts the ogre away, and it he, we see him as the savior of the village. And uh, throughout these these scenes, there's some nice little tiebacks to previous you know catchphrases and things. Uh, I caught one here where. You know, he he tells Henry like this comes with no price, which is the diametric opposite of you know magic comes with a price. So it's it's cool to see to see this stuff sort of happen. But he 
sends Henry off uh, on his own, and Henry goes to uh, he he had luckily has uh, the paperback copy of the book that he I guess got from the diner uh, with him, which so he's able to avoid a bunch of different traps, and he comes upon a giant hollow log where he finds Regina. Yeah, and she almost shoots him. Yep, and she almost <laughs> kills him. Yeah. The end. <laughs> and Period. that's the and then Santa showed up. Hey now. Uh, yeah, it's I like that Henry has a little bit of like a, a cheat sheet for the world in terms of, you know, again, the, the author has all of this in his head. Henry has the actual copy of it. And so maybe we see a little bit later that the author, uh, you know, kind of forgets that. Oh, yeah, the ogre comes. But then the ogre slayer, the light one comes and, and kills the ogre. Uh, I forgot about that. So, you know, Henry has the hard copy of what's going on. And yeah. uh, it can use that as, again, a little guide to the world. Maybe, maybe you know, to be fair, when Isaac was writing this, he was under a tight deadline. Gold was it was <laughs> urging him to move on. He probably just glanced over that detail and forgot about it. I know when I'm like typing or write, at least typing really fast, I will often leave out entire words because I'm thinking them, but they don't actually make it down onto the keyboard. I wonder if, A, that also happens with writing, and B, if in the case of this magical writing, if that would potentially impact things incorrectly, like if there was a misspelling, I know I was like, going to say, what if they, what if he misspelled a word? What if instead of, uh, ogre, he wrote like T gray or something. Yeah. Or just completely just like mis- misunderstands the meaning of some words and, and then puts <laughs> the wrong word down completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it'll be, it, it was, it was, it was, it was a fun little, we've talked about other, other movies uh, like, like, you know, John Candy's delirious where it's all about, you know, writing a book that ends up impacting the actual reality of the world that you're in. And, uh, it was fun to play with that for, for 90 minutes or so. Yeah. But but the, what we're treated to for the next 10 minutes or so, I would say is Henry just trying to get into Regina's head to tell her what is going on. And she is just, in very much echoes of everyone in season yeah. one, she is <laughs> refuses to believe him whatsoever, though she is a little freaked out when he reads from the book about how she's going to rob a royal carriage later. But she uh, she then just she decides the solution is to just burn the book. Yeah. And I don't think Henry did everything he could to rescue the book from the fire. I, I, yeah, I think, he like reached <laughs> it like a couple of times. Like, uh, I'll just uh, grab this page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope that was an important page, Henry, or that you uh, at some point I would have been really curious again you know he is racing against time so you can't necessarily take the luxury to just sit down and read the book but i would have been very tempted you know i was told by the author that this is the final chapter of the book so i'm just going to read the how long can a chapter in this book be anyway like at at most 25 30 pages take the hour or however long it's going to take henry to sit down and read that uh and and just read that and familiarize yourself with what's going on so in case you do lose the book it's not a big deal but technically he didn't need a majority of the book because everything that happened happened before that unless there was exposition that was going to really be important (laughs) yeah exactly like oh no i really want to know who these characters are you know (laughs) and what's what's driving regina in this scene that i'm in with her So Henry rescues one page and I think that comes in handy later, but his goal right now is to get her to Robin hood because he's fixated on this mentality that true love's kiss is going to fix everything. But it turns out that uh, for everyone who has their endings changed, Robin hood really doesn't Robin hood is still just Robin hood. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's pretty much the I think because he is Zelina's happy ending then he kind of had to have uh, some level of normalcy remain with his life. 
or Isaac just doesn't know who Robin Hood is. <laughs> that could be Listen, the I know he, he disappeared for for streaks at a time. He had something in New York. Uh, I'll just have him do the same thing he's always been doing. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like it, you said earlier. Like, you know, Isaac really does come off as a villain in this, but like it, he could have conceivably, if he had not been pressured by Gold or or Zelina potentially or whoever, um, he could have written himself as this great author and left everybody else's lives alone and had it be, you know, everything be hunky dory. And I don't think he, he's really only acting against Henry because he realizes if the story unravels because of Henry's actions, then his own personal happy ending is what's a race. So I don't, so I think that's all that he's protecting. So again, if he had it messed up everybody else's stories, he could have potentially hung on to his own happy ending of this, you know, glorious, you know, author living in, in, in the real world. But, uh, now he's, but he, he stuck to his deal with gold and he gave gold the happy ending. And apparently gold told him also, oh, you have to give this Lena a happy ending. Oh, and yeah. screw up these people's lives too. So he, I think be, it's funny cause we talked last week about, well, did he have to go back to gold once, you know, Regina released him from uh, Zelina's, you know, underground hospital chamber. You know, he, he willingly transported himself to gold to help him write the story. He didn't have to do that. And he kind of, and, I don't know. So it's like, I'm really wondering, you know, how, how good or bad was Isaac and, and, you know, could he have, could there have been a different version here where he ended up not screwing everybody over, helping himself and not being coming off as much of a villain as he did. I'm sorry. I just kind of rambled for like five minutes. No, that's, you bring up a good point. I wonder how much Isaac could have legitimately like, as soon as he came out of the page, wrote, wrote in a book, like, and then Isaac, I don't know, lived the rest of his lives in a, co- in a cottage by the sea where he was happy for the rest of his days. And he would lose his author status, but he'd be relegated to that happy ending and he'd be completely fine. He totally could have done that. But I, I agree with you. I think there was some sort of, he owed something to Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. And as a result, he got kind of caught into this crazy web that leads him, I guess, I guess he, he's, we'll talk about his ending later, but I guess he's now in jail. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm assuming unless 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 they like went all like Miller's Crossing and we aren't really here and Isaac never really leaves the woods. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But let's get to the fun stuff here, Kurt. This is this is what I think is the most fun part of this alternative storyline. So Isaac is wandering through the woods and he gets caught in a net. First off, dwarf alert. Dwarf alert. Dwarf alert. We got all the we got all the dwarves back. That is crazy uh that's and we, we again talk about characters we haven't seen in a long time i feel like the dwarves are the longest we haven't seen uh yeah out of all those characters i mentioned previously yeah i think we've seen it's like it's like the dwarves uh there, there's like it's like the dwarves ruby and dr hopper are the ones that like appear and probably like with a Halley's comet level of frequency. I think the last time I remember seeing the dwarves was in the spell of shattered sights when they all start fighting in the middle of the streets. And I'm pretty sure they were only brought in for like that idea of like, wouldn't it be funny if all the dwarves fought themselves in the street? Yeah. And they, and they appeared like a couple of times in, in this prior to that. At least I remember with the, you know, when, uh, when Mary Margaret was trying to fix the, uh, dam, uh, or the generator, the, dam, the generator happy was there with her. Uh, and I think another, maybe been another dwarf, but we had, we had a couple dwarf sightings at the front half of the season, but this back half been relatively dwarf free. Yes. So they, they loot him and they actually find, uh, <laughs> the, the damn that Regina fangirl. She almost cost the Isaac his life because they find a long live Regina pin. And again, despite it being anachronistic, they think that means he's a supporter. 
and they bring him to the queen and holy faux hawk kurt clark <laughs> yeah it was it uh <laughs> it was fun having snow white as evilicious snow um it there were you mentioned the spell of shattered sight earlier parts of it this did feel a little like that to me although i think in spell shattered sight she was just more like angry snow yeah and i'd say this was more this was more evil snow this was this was i'd, I'd say that that her and david you know rated the local hop topic a bit too much um but uh, it, it was fun it, it was fun seeing her get a chance to do this yeah david looks like he's straight from the night's watch <laughs> like, with fur lined cloak and everything i call him emo david in my uh in my notes <laughs> he is though because he's he's also very brooding as well i mean granted he's yeah. sort of in the the sheriff graham position where uh, where Snow has his heart and is kind of commanding him. We find out later that she forced him to be in love with her. Uh, yeah. But he, I mean, he is just, he is not happy what, and any doing anything right now. And uh, Isaac almost dies at the hands of him, but Isaac in a sort of Henry move reveals that he knows basically everything about what's going on. And he breaks open this whole exposition that we don't know of. And <laughs> we get a call back to the deceased twin brother of David James. Yes. And it doesn't sound like something that that uh, that Mary Margaret would really tell a bunch of people. So, you know, the fact that he knows this uh, and even kind of talks to it from the perspective of, you know, not only do I know that this happened, I know how you I'm telling you how you feel about it, too. And I think that sort of reality make, gives her pause. Yeah. So and this is this is weird, though, because obviously they flipped the Regina Snow dynamic and they also flipped the sort of their sort of stories as well so james is not only a fill-in for like the charm the the dead brother he's also a fill-in for um what for the the stable boy daniel, daniel. uh yeah. because i i think the exact same thing happened with we'll talk about that later but i think the story is so much less believable when you have the character switch because jennifer goodwin is so much is a, a bit younger than lana Perea that you wouldn't believe like i was just a little girl when i betrayed you yeah, I had my notes that I was wondering. So is because they didn't really did they directly address, hey, I'm your daughter or are we just supposed to kind of put those pieces together? And uh, it and I'm also like wondering, I think maybe this is going too far down the uh, uh, the rabbit hole, no pun intended. But I was like, well, then who taught magic to Snow White if the, if the light one exists? Exactly. And so there's there's a whole the, the obviously the, the backstory there then that, that there's the parallels that don't quite add up in the backstory things that have been explained that would need explanation here but don't get explanation but I was like you know what um, it probably just happened before Isaac wrote his book <laughs> like the heroes and villains starts with Mary with Mary Margaret slash Snow White having magic and we don't have to delve into how she got it. This is why you started chapter one, Henry, when you jump into books. This is why he should have burned the whole book or why he should have rescued the whole book. That's why he would, he reads the final chapter and he's going to ask himself this question and he's going to kick himself. He doesn't have the rest of the book to go back to and and read to read. Henry's totally that guy that when he's shopping around for books, he'll like look at like the last few pages Uh, and then he'll determine whether he wants to buy it. I cannot understand people like that. And I, I and I know people, I know people like that and people like that have, They've told me that they do that. I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't either. So Isaac's able to save his head literally by sort of revealing who he is. 
and says that, you know, I know where Regina is so you can get your revenge. And Snow kind of makes this vow uh, with him that they will kill both Henry and Regina. And at the same time, Regina is carrying through with sticking to the royal carriage and she is immediately ambushed by the people we just saw. Yeah, and I'm guessing that was a departure from the original storyline. Um, the, the, I mean, we see that it's, it seems like Henry, uh, you know, read, lets, lets Regina know about the, like she, she sees in the book, the whole carriage thing. Um, I don't know, unless, unless it originally does happen that, that we, I guess we didn't actually see in the book the, how the whole carriage robbery thing yeah. plays out. I was going to, I was going to bring that up because is it sort of like in Isaac's view, no matter what, as long as the bells toll at sunset, he'll get his happy ending because now he's, now he's starting to go for bro. Now he's starting to let them know things and have them change a bunch of stuff within the course of events. But is it just that, Oh, as long as it ends and like, you know, Regina and Rob and Zelina and Robin are still married, then I still win in the end. Yeah. It, it, and maybe there's like something about like the, the law of the conservation of happy endings, where as long as the story ends and everybody who's supposed to have a happy ending does, and everybody who doesn't, isn't supposed to happen, have a happy, happy ending doesn't, then everything will be fine. So I think it's the, I'm going to, I'm going to label that the law of conservation of happy endings. All right. Well, we'll, we'll coin that <laughs> you term. Can, you can neither create nor destroy uh, happy endings. There's always going to be the same number. And if you adjust that number, if you added one without taking one away, then things will be all wonky and the story will end. Yes. Well, uh, Regina almost, almost, uh, goes along the path of her unhappy ending, but in a different way as Snow White is about to kill her. Uh, but, but, you know, David decides to stop her and try to get some information out of her, which is enough time for Robin Hood to swoop in and rescue her. Yeah, I was wondering if that again, this is that something that happens in the original Heroes and Villains story, or is this did Henry like seek him out and send him to rescue rescue her? Uh, and it seems a little bit like he just either happened to be there, uh, or rather than Henry actually arranging this to happen. Well, they ta- they Regina talks about how Robin Hood's kind of a rival, yeah. thief, Though they they never have actually met each other, which is weird i guess it's a big enough forest but maybe he was trying to to plan a heist on the same carriage and then he saw things were going south and he decided to pick regina up yeah it's like well he we, we do find out that he is retiring so it was just that that one that one last big heist before i retire <laughs> yeah exactly i got two days until retirement i got one more heist to pull off <laughs> so they walk into the tavern and there's a little bit of like rom-com sexual tension bickering between the two of them and Regina starting to kind of buy into this whole idea that, you know what, maybe this kid was right. Maybe Robin is my true love. And then Robin reveals that he is getting married that day to Zelina. Yes. He wants to, and he's actually looking for her and asking, you know, based on her reputation, he's asking for Regina to take over the merry men and take over leading the merry men so that he can, like I said, fully retire and, you know, run away with his blushing bride, Zelina. Although I guess when she blushes, he doesn't turn red. He turns a little green. Um, I I don't know if you understand, Regina. I want to get laid. So (laughs) if you could watch my men for a while, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she could maybe just even just for the honeymoon. Uh, You just, just, just take over temporary running of it and we'll, we'll work out some details, but yeah, she, uh, and not only that, but it's like, uh, you know, please stay and attend the ceremony. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what? You're in town, right? Come, uh, come on. Just you're not in love with anybody who's getting married, right? Yeah, it's uh, he. He has no reason to believe, or in the con- in the context of heroes and villains, the book, 
uh, Robin Hood should have no reason to believe that Regina has a thing for him. Uh, like you said, they've never met. And the only reason that Regina does have a thing is she's kind of being pushed into it a little by Henry, which made me wonder, like, to what extent does, you know, if it's all about getting that, uh, that, you know, true love's kiss, uh, does it have to be a two way agreement? Like, can she, can she be kind of like stalker girl about Robin Hood and just Robin kind of be unconscious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Creepy. <laughs> does he, yeah. That, it works with does True he, Love's Kiss in a lot of different, a lot of these stories. So, does he, does he have to be mobile? <laughs> <laughs> does he have to be? Does he have to be willing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and there's a whole stalker road now that we go down. Yes. Um, but yeah, so like she doesn't want to take over for the Merry Men. She doesn't want to stay and attend the ceremony. She just kind of wants to to get out of there. And uh, you know, we see Henry. The Henry is actually surprised about the whole Zelina marrying Robin thing. Yeah, well, and we find out a little bit. There's a little bit more of this whole reversed situations type of thing where uh, with Regina and Zelina, Regina was the one that was abandoned as a child instead of Zelina, which again brings up the question, was Regina the one that went to Oz? I, I'm assuming not. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, Regina is despondent, saying that, well, now now I'm, I'm it's certain I'll never find love, I'll never have a happy ending. And Henry just kind of drops the word savior, throws in the conversation, and oh, yeah. oh, what a word to throw in there as Regina lets us in on the, all this whole thing. As you alluded to before, we were up to that point, didn't think that Emma was in the story. It turns out she is. She was this all-powerful <laughs> being that got imprisoned a long time ago, and we get this shot that zooms in on this lone tower on an island in the middle of the ocean where Emma is all the way up in a tower with her arms chained, kind of in a similar move to Elsa from Frozen, which connected, which is the umpteenth connection between Emma and Elsa this season. Yeah, and I was even getting a little bit of a... I know in the, in the opening credits where there's always the you know, the once upon a time logo and the woods and some sort of little bonus thing thrown in that represents that season. We saw this castle tower, uh, there. And I was actually, you know, getting a little bit of a Rapunzel vibe. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. But, it, but, it, but it turns out, nope, there are stairs that go up to this room. Yes. There's stairs <laughs> and fine. one guard. Yes. A single guard. Yes. Which we'll, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about soon, but let's jump into hour two here because the show does. And we get a little bit more into the, the light ones home life here. Uh, he's with bell. Bell, uh, has her bay bay and hmm. there, they seem to be a, a happy family, but Isaac's there to kind of not necessarily ruin it, but just kind of drop some truth bombs to Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> about exactly what's been going on. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's kind of he's in an interesting bind here. At least the position that that Rumpelstiltskin is in, he he's really Isaac is trying to get this person who is potentially representing all that is good and holy to kill Regina before she stops a wedding. Um, and so it's like you know, but Rumpelstiltskin, if, if this isn't something that somebody who is like all you know light and good should even consider doing, but he's in, but Isaac's in this position of having to convince him that's also for his own best interest, that this is going to take everything away from you. So I thought it was a really interesting exchange and situation that Isaac found himself in having to, you know, turn to somebody who was a villain, but who is now completely good in order to do a villainous thing. Yeah. And Rumpelstiltskin has a very interesting storyline in the next, like we only stay in this, in this alternate reality for like half an hour now, but Rumpelstiltskin has this interesting thing that we've been kind of dealing with this entire season of he's a hero, but sort of like the Charmings, he's st- he has to do sort of duplicitous deeds in order to maintain his own happy ending. And in this case, it's 
Isaac literally tells him, you have to go help me take care of the situation. And I mean, uh, he, he thinks over pretty well, considering that Isaac just came in and literally, literally told him, Hey, I've created your entire identity and yeah. everything's about to collapse in on you. If you don't help me. Yeah. There's like a moment there where he kind of says, you know, deep down, you know, I'm right that you're, you're not really a hero. And this makes me like this to me, this whole kind of point in the story and in the, in the, in the conversation makes me realize, you know, there is a lot of power to what the author does, but it also seems a little bit like these newly written realities are very, very fragile. Mm -hmm. And, and like the, the slightest thing, uh, yeah, I guess they're, they're, they're also in a situation where you have two non characters, Henry and the author himself traipsing through the story in something that pretty much always goes on autopilot. Uh, and I think, it, it, you know, that's why, you know, stories, this kind of story is fragile and it wasn't really meant for, uh, for that sort of thing to happen. So it's, you know, the author's trying to get things back on track, but then also having to kind of remind a little bit, you know, this isn't really who you are. Yeah. And it's, it's a tough thing to break to, especially again, since he's, I mean, he was mainly there to help gold find his happy ending to have, and to have to kind of pull him out of that ending to say like, listen, this is all kind of a construct. You're going to have to help me with that. It's, it's, it's tough to kind of watch. Granted, there, he only, it only takes like, this only happens over the course of two scenes, but it's it really interesting to watch because yeah. what he does speaks so much to what's been going on the past 10 episodes or so. Yeah, it's, uh, especially because we know that like in the alternate world, it seems like even the, the past couple episodes, you know, has primarily been gold clutching at his chest, trying not to die. Yeah. And so it was, it was nice and refreshing to not only see gold given uh, a little bit more of an active role, uh, but to kind of be be something that he completely has not been in the past. And it's fun to see like little bits of the old Rumpelstiltskin bleed into the good Rumpelstiltskin. Like the, the, the every so often he threw in a, like a My Dearies. And mm-hmm. then you're so used to hearing that in the, in, and basically not trusting anything that comes out of his mouth after that. But here it's it's done a you know slightly different way where it's like okay well he's a force for good but really is he? Um, it, it was it was nice to see a little bit more of uh, a, a slightly different side to the the Rumple character. Rumpelstiltskin the hero, uh, much less high pitched voice than the dark one. Thankfully, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> thankfully he he gave, yeah I think it'd be a lot sillier if he's like sitting on a horse like oh I defeated the ogre <laughs> like do, can. Does the other killer have to come to town? Can we just take care of this ourselves? It's just when he opens his mouth. It's, yeah, it's just, like, we appreciate it, but just a little less of the talking. Let's let's go out to sea here, Kurt, or at least let, let's let's uh, let's dry dock for a bit. So Henry's next logical step is to go to the Jolly Roger and sail to find Emma on the island, and so he finds Captain Hook. I don't know how I feel about uh, alternative reality Captain Hook being a coward. Yeah, and I think this is this is really it, it's interesting that the one hero we've encountered so far has been if you want to classify her as such regina and gold didn't really mess with regina a whole lot he didn't quite give her a happy ending but he didn't really mess with her and can turn her into something that she completely wasn't or that wasn't enjoyable yeah but here we see that he's done it with hook where yeah he's a coward He's uh, or at least at least a deckhand who doesn't have the confidence that 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 he can do more. He's uh, and I think what we find out later, which I actually found very funny, is that 
Uh, what, he's, is he allergic to rum? He can only drink yeah, goat's milk. <laughs> he, it makes him like break out in a rash or something. Like that, that little touch there by the author that he that he he wrote Hook so that Hook was un, did, was unable to drink rum in this alternate reality. Now that's the kind of like personal attack via pen that I would expect from the author, and I was yeah. kind of enjoying and kind of enjoying that. Yeah, and I wonder if Gold wants to get back a little bit at Hook too, because remember all the way back at the end of the last half season that. You know, Hook and great the other heroes helped foil it, but Hook, Hook and Bell were the ones to really foil his plans to become all powerful. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was fun. It, it, it was fun. I, I, I don't like Wuss Hook, um, Wuss but Hook. It, it, yeah, but it was, but it was fun to see uh, that that have to be explored. Uh, though, again, we have to question if this whole like Mila Dark One thing didn't happen in the book. How did Killian get his hook? Shh, did, did, did Blackbeard just chop it off because he was angry with the the, the <laughs> swabbing job he did one time? That's yeah. That's what I was. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, <laughs> and we well, we have to say if for much of a what's this hook is does does Blackbeard getting knocked out by the ship's hook count as a win for Captain Hook? I'm going to give that a yes. <laughs> the the, the uh, you were defeated by Hook. So technically <laughs> speaking, <laughs> technically speaking, Hook defeated you. It is therefore my ship. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I, I own this now because Hook knocked you out. Yes. So why do you keep referring to it like that? I just must. I'm no. I'm Hook now. <laughs> this is my. Yeah. This is Hook. Yes. So, uh, so we they they hit the seas. We have a nice callback here, but we remember that um, that Killian taught uh, Henry once upon once upon a time to <laughs> sail the Jolly Roger, and we actually get a callback uh, early in the episode too, where Henry uh, fights with the sword as he learned to from David a long time ago. Yeah, I, I was a little worried when, when we saw Henry pick up the sword when he first got into Once Upon a Time. I was like, would you rather see Henry with a sword or behind the wheel of a car? And I was like, that's like the lesser of two Henry evils. Henry's, Henry's trying his luck today, you know? He's, uh, he, he got behind the wheel of a car. He didn't die. He jumped into a book. You know, you, you only live once or multiple times if you're Rumpelstiltskin. Why don't I just uh, start playing around with the sword? Yeah. <laughs> Next, he'll perform open surgery. He's like, no, yes. open heart surgery. So let's let's get to the island here. Uh, not that island, but the, this is more like yeah. I guess this is like sort of like Hydra Island almost. And it's guarded by one knight that they're able to <laughs> easily, <laughs> easily, easily. When, when they brought in the fake Henry prisoner, are there, is, is the prison, is the, the island meant for other prisoners? Could, like logically, the, the knight would say, like, wait, no other prisoners are allowed here besides Emma. This is kind of a, a kind of a special case. <laughs> um okay uh, yeah, yeah although the, the the little easter egg here you know hook tells the 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 black knight that that henry is a prisoner from kashik that is the uh wookie home planet in the star wars universe oh my god are you kidding me no and actually i the only reason i noticed it is like actually i closed captioning on and it was kashik with uh with three y's uh k-a-s-h-y-y-y-k and that is yeah, that is the the Wookiee home planet in the Star Wars universe. Oh my god! So uh, if they went through with the ruse and they pulled the mask up, would Henry have to wear like a Chewbacca mask? That would have been awesome. <laughs> yes. I, I, I would do the I would do the Wookiee voice now if that was within my in my wheelhouse, but I am unable to. <laughs> we, we just sailed in from Endor, man. <laughs> the tall trees over there. Yeah, I think the fact that they didn't do something like Dagobah or Endor, Your it was meant Hoth. to be a little. It was meant to be a little bit more of a deep cut in terms of a Star Wars reference, but I think it was yeah definitely 
definitely a Star Wars reference. Yes, but uh, the what the knight uh, is not uh, conscious long enough to get the reference as <laughs> no. she's quickly knocked out, falling for the old uh, prisoner fake prisoner routine. And they they go up to unlock the chains. And as I alluded to before, Emma remembers everything, which is I still believe a pretty big short sight on the author's part. But the next. Uh, well, that's also well. That's also why I was thinking that the author has no idea Emma is in the story, mm-hmm. and that's why like, I was like, when, if as Emma as the savior, maybe like every story needs a savior. Or there, I think there's like some bigger thing at play in the art of storytelling, where I don't know if it, I don't know if it is that the uh, authors can't simply eliminate characters or, or what, but that's why I feel like in my heart of hearts that the author legitimately didn't think that Emma was in the story, but when the book was written. Emma was a character in the other story, so she just appeared here because of the, the the nature of the savior, and because he didn't give her any sort of guidance, it just kind of played out that you know, like I said, there's things happening. The thing as you're reading the page, there's things happening in other parts of the world that the author can't possibly cover every single little thing that happens. So I think uh, at some if point, George R. R. Martin can do it. Isaac can do it. <laughs> but like when you know you know, this is happening uh, uh, as people travel to Winterfell in, in Game of Thrones. It's like there's, you know, things happening in every other city simultaneously and not all those things are captured on the page. And I kind of think that, you know, the fact there was some sort of run in between the you know, Snow White, you know, Prince Charming and uh, and Emma that got her banished to the this island and it didn't appear in the book at all and the author had no way of knowing it. So I think he truly thought that she was banished and it was just something that he didn't have the means to accommodate for. That's that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. All right, you stick, stick to that theory unless, <laughs> unless disproven. Uh, but Emma runs right into Hook's arms and uh, I, I for one, am very happy that, like, I'm glad this only played out over the course of two episodes because I would not want to see a half season of, like, Hook remembers to fall in love with Emma all over again. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. But as they're sailing back, we get a nice little reveal here that the Black Knight, the one knight that was guarding Emma the whole time, turned out to be Lily. And in retaliation, Lily turns into a dragon, and we think, oh, no, frightening. But Emma defeats it pretty quickly by just shooting the dragon, and it falls into the ocean. Yeah. Now, is there supposed to be some sort of dragon lily play on words here? Like, I'm just noticing in, in, in my notes. Oh, was, well, oh, no, that's tiger lily. Oh, but I think there's a dragon lily, too, isn't there? Maybe not. Okay. I'm thinking something. I'm driving everything of dragon fruit. Yeah. Maybe Lily's real name is Fruit, and then that would make this work. Uh, my name is Fruit, but it's a weird name. You can call me Lily. So if Lily turned into a tiger, that would be amazing. That, that would have been cool, though. She would have been SOL here, because I don't think tigers... Yeah. There'd be a tiger, like, doggy paddling behind the Jolly Roger. It'd be like Life of Pi Part 2. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the next literary work that's being uh, referenced on Once Upon a Time. But as, as they quickly dispose of Lily, the plan right now is to still go to the wedding and stop it but while they're over there back at the palace um evil snow white is pissed yeah and i'm wondering i think that's supposed to be a um we kind of have this nice overhead shot of the uh the table that granny and several of the dwarves are sitting at kind of granny appears out of nowhere in terms yeah. of context context wise i'm like okay she just must be evil granny <laughs> evil um, granny uh it's like one of those horror movies where it's like the bed and breakfast is run by the nice elderly woman who ends up you know killing all the tenants in their sleep or something. Yeah. But, um, and it's noticed that I'm pretty sure that this is supposed to be like a King of, uh, King of Arthur round table. Um, cause I remember in the original Knights of the round table, each of the 
knights, there were 12 of them, and there are 12 seats at this table, and each of them was supposed to be, um, each of the knights of the round table came had a different astrological sign. Uh, and so the, the symbols around the table and there were 12 of them, they were, they didn't match our astrology, but my feeling is that this is, that was supposed to be an allusion to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I personally, I, I, I didn't make that connection. I thought it was mimicking a shot from season one. I'm trying to remember. I mean, we saw the first episode a while ago yeah. at this point, but didn't, wasn't there a very similar shot where like. I remember the good guys were sitting around the table too when it was when it was Geppetto and Doctor Hopper and Granny and everyone and that was wasn't it a very similar shot where they kind of tracked overhead at the round table. Um, they were definitely. I remember the scene you're talking about. I can't remember if there was this similar shot, but just the the twelve seats and the twelve symbols that kind of kind of looked like they could have been astrological symbols, but upon pausing, they weren't. It just made me think that this was kind of a uh, a, a Knights of the Round Table illusion. Maybe it was back then also as well, but. Uh, yeah, don't remember if we saw the symbols on the table back then or not. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, Snow White is doing a sort of a performance review uh, for Minions, and <laughs> she is very angry that in the, what, like, six hours that she dispatched her Minions that they haven't brought back any, anyone yet. So she re- leads <laughs> by example by killing a dwarf. And I was, do you do you know which dwarf it was, Clark, uh, Kurt? Kurt Clark? Uh, I, Kurt, 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 uh, Clark thinks it was uh, Doc. <laughs> I thought it was Sleepy. Bloom thinks it's sleepy. Bloom's, I'll, I'll go with it. It didn't. I, I had on my notes that it might have been Doc, um, but it didn't look old enough. He had the beard. Um, I, it it could have. It could have been sleepy. He's sleepy now. Long sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, there was. It's getting a little bit like a Duck Duck Goose vibe as as as, yeah. as, as, as uh, Snow White was walking around behind them. It's like the deadliest. It's like Duck Duck Death. That, that that's the uh, the favorite childhood game at the uh, Manson Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> so back with our heroes uh first of all total parts of the caribbean reference when emma calls hook a regular oh. jack sparrow Where yeah. they, wasn't even trying to hide that one that's no that's no uh <laughs> wookie planet reference yeah it, it, it would have been great if hook was like who jack sparrow i've never heard who is this jack but you have no no no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like no 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 i'm not gonna let you just uh, you brush that off emma yeah, i want no, a full wait, explanation wait, wait. <laughs> You have to explain who this man is. Then she sits down and explains all four movies of Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> yeah. even the even the most recent one. Yeah, that would that would be great. <laughs> but uh, we have yet another scene of like kind of awkward sexual tension where Emma is trying to get Hook's muscle memory going in more ways than one wah, wah. To, to try to learn how to fight. But as he's trying to do that, Lil, uh, Lily uh, helps in Snow and Charming, and they sort of have a a showdown. Emma tries to reach out to her parents by saying like i'm the product i'm your daughter i'm the product of your true love and i got you to believe in hope but snow is not having it she is she is not having hope she did not keep hope alive she didn't yeah no she didn't there's there's very little uh, not just hope but there's also very probably little faith and charity uh, as well in in this in this household right now yeah, three is three, uh, is three is not a magic number now no um yeah it there, there was a lot in this episode. We saw Snow do it. We saw Regina do it as well when she was talking to Henry in her log home um, about kind of like a really, you know what? That 
that makes perfect sense. And like, and it's like the writer's trying to fake you out that the person's finally like buying into it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there were several not moments uh, in this episode. Are we sure? Are we sure uh, this book was, was written by Isaac and not by Wayne Campbell? Yeah. Wayne Campbell, a little, little Garth in there as well. Um, <laughs> Soik. Uh, but and each time you kind of saw it coming. I was like, I was like, just really, we, we know where this is going, but you know what? And the flip side of that is we are in a book. Yeah, that's a, true. So we, I mean, we a, don't know how good of a, of a writer Isaac is. I remember we have yeah. to realize that. Yeah, he's well, we kind of know how good a writer he is from the 1960s flashback where he's got he writes his manuscripts in the in the break room and he's got rejected every single time. Oh, That's true. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's only successful when he's able to write himself as a success in the story that's self-fulfilling. Um but yeah, so it's uh, I don't think anybody was was buying that that uh, Emma actually got through to Snow White at this moment. <laughs> so in leading up to this episode, the creators made the allegations that there would be a couple of deaths. That being said, Kurt, were you surprised at this scene where just to summarize it a little bit, uh, Hook decides to <laughs> take him on, take on Charming and Snow and Lily and basically everyone on his own. He dispatches of a lot of them fairly quickly by like rolling barrels onto them. He thinks he knocks out Charming, but as he turns his point on the queen, Charming stands up and stabs him and kills him from behind. What, what did you think about this scene? Were you immediately shocked or did you think like, oh no, this is getting undone immediately? Um, I I was fully watching this this episode expecting that uh, everything would get turned around and the happy ending would come and everything would be negated by like again with about 20 minutes left in the episode. So I was kind of expecting that to be how things played out in this hour. I did like and, you know, without getting too much ahead into our our uh, our feedback show is I didn't expect us to be going into the next season with us still in this book. Um, so when that happened, I was not, uh, I wouldn't say that I wasn't surprised, but I wasn't really struck by it in any huge way. I was like, okay. And that, but, but like you said, I, I fully expected that to be negated within the next half hour. Yeah. I, I think as much as the show does make leaps and bounds. And I mean, they, they took a very unorthodox ending to this, season as compared to the rest of them i feel like they still are not going to deviate much from their core ensemble there you know i think balefire was the last like kind of major character that they killed off so i don't think they're especially since hook is such such a fan favorite and we have this whole storyline i'm not flashing forward too far ahead but i feel like once emma told regina like i never told hook that i loved him i knew he was coming back and and again flashing forward a little bit i do have to say that when uh, regina is cut down later I was wondering just because it was like so close to the moment of things potentially switching back. But for some reason, I didn't process that death the same way I processed Hook's death. I fully expected Hook to come back. But for some reason, I thought that we actually might not see Regina return. Um, and I was, as I was watching that part further ahead, I was wondering, wow, is, are they actually killing off Regina? Because that would be ballsy. Um, and that, so that actually had me worried a little bit, but not the hook one. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about Regina's yeah. slicing we'll in, a, in a second. But for right now, in the reality we're in, Hook is dead. But is dead. We're, we take a cut from the action to go back to the, the Light One household. And 
Rumpel is still obviously torn about what Isaac told him. And we have, again, a nice little callback to Once Upon a Time lore, where with the chip teacup and, uh, you know, Rumpel basically kind of refusing the fact that he's that he can be happy uh, and and that he'll make the wrong choice. It's in this it's in this scene that we actually do hear Bell uh, refer to him as the, you're the light one. Yes. Uh, as, as almost like a, a title, which I thought was a, a nice kind of flip on. Um, and actually it makes sense. You know, if there's a dark one, there should be a light one. And we I don't think we are expecting, you know, the the opposite of the dark one to be the savior, because we know the opposite of the savior is the anti-savior. And that's Billy. Uh, so maybe there is a light one out there that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Um, okay, that's Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> um. And yeah, he, it's, he, he's really kind of struggling with that. He's learned. He's, it seems like he's kind of categorized this in a way that makes it palatable for him to actually take action. Where right? I've learned of the threat of the realm and it will destroy our life together if something isn't done. And I guess when you frame it that way, it seems like, well, of course you must do something about it and, yeah. and take, take a stand. But when in reality, if you spell out the details, it's like, uh, it's kind of dicey whether or not you're taking, make, taking a good action by doing anything. Yeah, exactly. And in and, and typical, even though he's in a different reality, Rumpelstiltskin is still extremely shady around Belle. He never reveals any sort of details to her. So she's sort of off in her own world, but it's clear that he's holding this secret internally uh unfortunately that we'll see it come to fruition very very soon but uh henry and emma reunite with regina and you know they, they basically try to convince her listen follow your heart go to robin it's okay if he doesn't feel the same way back and then emma as i talked about just a few minutes ago comes out with this whole thing of like i had a man i never told him i loved him and now i never will don't be like me go after him run regina run yeah <laughs> um yeah it's like you have to you have to be I, there was a nice message in here though i thought in terms of uh you know for you to get a happy ending you have to be open to love and be willing to take risks so like you know she says that her although her happy ending isn't a man uh there's something interesting in the thought that well even if your happy ending isn't to be in love with somebody you have to be open to love in order to get a happy ending. And I thought there was an interesting sentiment there. What did you think? And I, again, I, this will probably tie in sort of the hook and Emma stuff after they come back to Storybrooke as well. What do you think about this whole, like Emma finally tells hook that she loves him storyline? Because I, I personally like it. I enjoy their relationship, but one of my problems, and we'll probably get to this more in the feedback show. One of my problems with season four is they they fleshed out this really great relationship in season three, but they rarely put those two characters together throughout the entirety of season four. That it seemed like a logical progression in their relationship, in my opinion, but it sort of came out of nowhere, considering that we we rarely see these characters together like interacting when it doesn't have to deal with the story. And you know, maybe some of this is my shortcomings as a guy, and I honestly didn't look at the past you know couple of seasons and be like oh yeah she never has told him that she's loved him and and it's like something so where it's like yeah it's just it's known it's assumed and i didn't think it was that big of a deal but again that's maybe my guy filter <laughs> yes that guy filter can my, be very deceptive that's my, that's my single guy filter <laughs> noted Yes, noted, noted for all of you, for all of you single male listeners out there. I'm assuming uh, you're all tuned into the same frequency as, as Mr. Clark here. <laughs> but let's speaking of uh, people that are single or might no longer be single. Let's go to Robin's wedding here. And uh, it's, it's a nice showing. 
Isaac's there. I don't know why or how. Uh, I don't know how he got in uninvited. Uh, but uh, we got a glimpse of the Merry Men. We saw Will Scarlet. He didn't have a line this episode, but he was there. Oh, yeah. I completely didn't. Uh, I completely missed that. He was, he was in the. He, I remember seeing him specifically when they go outside over and preside over okay. Regina. He was in that crowd scene, so I can only assume he was uh, in the chapel as well. Yeah, and an interesting point about the author and the well, you know the fact that that uh, that Robin Hood just kind of willy nilly invites Regina to attend at the last minute and stuff. That's uh, true. Maybe maybe it's, maybe it's there's there's different customs or maybe they had a lot of openings and I know that like if. If a if a groom just started like randomly inviting people that without letting the bride necessarily know, uh, in, in our day and age, that would probably not go over that well. Yeah, like so Zelina Zelina's a different type of bridezilla in this world. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have, yeah, we have bridezilla down on my notes at one point as well, all the way down to like the green skin tint. Of, yes, as uh, all as all bridezillas <laughs> have. Yes. Yes. Um, the uh, no, it's it's so I, maybe there's also this element of as long as the author kind of moves around. Uh, inconspicuously and doesn't call attention to himself he can pass through the because he's not part of the story he can largely get away with passing through things um he did happen to wander into a trap which kind of called him attention to the you know you want to say he got he called himself to the attention of the plot and got caught up in it uh, back then but if he just kind of casually is there and doesn't really uh uh press himself on things. He maybe just kind of walk on unknown amongst people. Um, that might be a bit, a bit of a stretch for what happened. It probably was just like, Hey, this is how things happen here in the woods. I liked the, the, the ceremony or at least the, the setting of it. I mean, it looked a little bit, uh, hobbitish in terms of where it was taking place. <laughs> but, it uh, looked like it was like, uh, yeah, Sam and Rosie, the barmaid's wedding in the <laughs> Shire. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, it, it seemed like it seemed kind of like a nice little place. I would I, I would would not rule this out of uh, consideration for my my future marital bliss. Once once you dispose of your single guy filter. Yeah. Well, yes. Exactly. Uh, I will say that I think the writers missed out on a, on a key scene here, where like uh, the Isaac goes up to an usher and the usher goes, "Are you with the uh, with the bride or with the groom?" And he goes, "Both." <laughs> They're missing out a key key moment there, Kurt. But let's let's go outside. Our heroes arrive and they dispatch Regina to go inside uh, before Rump shows up to stop the rest of them. And we have this. Kind did, of, you, did you just call him Rump? That's that's what my notes say. I, I don't want to write Rumpelstiltskin. I don't want to write Rumpel sounds weird to me. So I just call him Rump. Like I've only shortened it as Rumpel. This is the first time I've heard Rump. I like I have to start using that. Yeah. I, I mean, for for now, I mean, I don't know how many more flashback times we're going to have him here. But I've, I from what I always consider with my notes, and this is a little inside baseball here. Whenever I whenever it's the character in the Enchanted Forest in flashbacks, I call him Rump. And when he's in Storybrooke, I call him Gold. I've I've gotten better about that. Uh, I think in season four. I think when we were doing the marathon watching last last early last fall, I was a little bit willy nilly about it. Uh, but I think yeah, I've been pretty good about that the same way. Same also with Snow White versus M M yeah. or Henry versus Charming or sorry David versus Charming for uh, for that character. Yeah, because I I that's the thing. I want to make sure that. I don't keep saying like, well, then Mr. Gold goes up to Bell and drops the teacup. You know, I want to make sure that they're different because yes. in that case, they actually are kind of two different characters. But uh, besides the point, let's talk about this fighting here. And, and Henry yeah. really comes to shine here and he really uh, is able to hold his own against his grandfather for a little bit. I mean, Emma gets Emma gets completely taken out of the picture, right? <laughs> Yeah, she kind of it. Uh, that does not go well for Emma. She because she doesn't have her she doesn't have her magic. 
to to counter things. Oh, I didn't. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had forgotten about that completely. Yeah. At least, you know, Isaac wasn't as foolish to say like, oh, and she still had her magic. I do like how Emma kind of distracts him by calling him the dark one. And that really kind of throws him and distracts him from focusing on Regina while she goes all the graduate and runs into the church. So kind runs of the church, but doesn't knock on the window or anything. She just kind of no. stares <laughs> and looks at him. Yeah. That, by the way, that scene went on a little bit too long for me. Yeah. There was a lot of the staring between Robin and Regina. <laughs> I was like, are you going to say something? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what, if you're, if, and she ends up turning around and going back, but like she could have done that, like, like 15 seconds ago. Yeah, you know, exactly. if, if he's going to if he's going to say I do, he'll do it. Just like you don't need to stare, stare him down. I know you're not I know you're not doing it to stare him down, but it still is like just do something. Either one of you do something. I mean, how awkward is it to be Zelina and to just be like, OK, your turn, Robin. And then to like look and see him just staring at this woman who's in the doorway. Yeah. The entire church looks at Robin and then looks at where he's looking and then sees another woman there and then mutters. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but he. So, but before, or I guess we can assume that it happens while Regina's gone because I guess she somehow picks up with the eyes in the back of her head that Henry's in trouble. And as Henry, uh, in, in a re- kind of a reference to, I think in season one, when he's like, we're the good guys and we're, we always, we're supposed to win in the end. He says like, you're a hero. You're not supposed to do this, but oh no, he's a, he's an anti-hero, this Rumpelstiltskin, as he slices at Henry, but Regina takes the blow, and uh, Rumpelstiltskin just says a simple, it is done, and then he disappears? I, I don't know how that, does he still have, does he, ha- are we to assume he has magical powers then, Kurt? Well, yeah, because we've seen the light one, he like blasted, he, he shot oh, light yeah, I guess that's hands, true, yeah. yeah. So I assume that was just a, you've got dark one powers, you've got light one powers, and you probably got powers that are available to both. It's just that, uh, do you blink away or do you blink away in a cloud of black smoke? Um, so yeah, I think he just teleported away as part of his light one powers. So this is when you thought Regina might actually not make it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it, there's no logical parallel for why I was fine and comfortable with hook knowing full well that hook would be back. And, but for some reason I questioned whether or not Regina would be back. Um, and so, yeah, so this was, I was surprised. Maybe it's because um, I, I saw Hook's death coming slightly. Maybe I kind of anticipated that might happen in the midst of that fight scene. Like, Hook might not make this. I was fully surprised when Regina comes out of nowhere and takes the, the blow that was meant for, for Henry. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's a fun, <clears throat> it's a fun uh, sort of, it, it ties a little bit in, in with Hook in terms of, I think these characters are slowly not necessarily remembering who they were in the other world, but I think they're, they have like these inherent feelings about the relationships they had. And I, that shows with Regina. I mean, she just met this kid like the beginning of the day and now she's, she's dying over him. Uh, I think it speaks towards no matter what Isaac may write, Regina and Henry are still going to have that relationship. So it's, it's nice to both have that in terms of Regina telling Henry, I'm not going to let you die. And then on the flip side, having Robin, Really, like it seems like the relationship almost didn't change at all when he when he ends up kneeling beside her and tells her like you're not going to die alone. So it's nice. It reminded me a lot of you know I I've been watching the the series finale of Lost this past couple of days and it reminded me very much of the the characters coming to reality of of who they were and the, on the island without any of the uh, the whitewashed flashbacks. Yeah. Now you know as as like you know he's kneeling over regina we or even before that we hear the the bells ringing and was you know isaac's like you know 
too little too late. Um, I, you know, I know that we, we kind of determined like sometime in the past half hour, 45 minutes of the show that yes, we have to stop the church bells from ringing, but it seemed, and I don't know, did you get this impression as well? And I didn't bother rewinding and going back and, and listening to it again, but it seemed like when the author was realizing that they're in the final chapter, that he, it, it seemed like he was saying that, you know, the bells that mark the end of the day were the, would mark the end of the book. Uh, I mean, those weren't his exact words, but I almost had the impression that like once midnight hit, that those were the, like the, when the bell, when the bells ring midnight, then that's the end of the book. I didn't quite catch where we transitioned from um, the bells that kind of mark the end of the day, which is how I interpreted things initially mm-hmm. to the bells of the wedding. I, I didn't know. Um, there was a, so he brought up in the beginning that there was like the bells toll at sunset. And then there was a scene yeah. beforehand that I kind of glanced over where I think it's after Regina tells Henry that, uh, that Robin Hood's getting married, that Henry just kind of pieces together that the bells must be the wedding bells. So yeah, I, I, guess, just, I, I guess we were following that jump with Henry. Yeah, I guess I didn't follow that jump with Henry. Cause I think what you said, yeah, like the bells of sunset and I didn't necessarily see how, we made the leap from the bells at sunset to the bells of the wedding. Um, but I, I might be the only person who stumbled on that. And it may be, and yeah, we don't really, the, the fact that the bells ring and things still get undone afterwards, uh, even though it's through a slightly different means than we had expected, maybe that means that they were the wrong bells. Maybe or, Isaac I forgot he wrote an epilogue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot the preview, the chapter preview <laughs> for the next book. I was just going to say that. He, he actually also included in the version that Henry had. Uh, that would be funny. He writes at the end. He's like, wait, in, in the, back in the pawn shop, he writes the whole thing for, for, for gold, writes the end, but then continues writing. Now for Isaac, uh, whatever his last name, I can't remember, Isaac's your next book, a preview of the first chapter for villains and heroes, <laughs> heroes and villains too. heroes are and villains are <laughs> two heroes, two villains. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, whether what sort of weird nebulous ending we're in right now, Henry's able to stop it or at least, uh, turn things a little bit in his corner. He sort of picks up Isaac's pen on a whim and it glows blue as it did before in Isaac meeting. As you alluded to before, Kurt, you were correct. Henry is the new author. These are the jumps that I personally didn't follow with Henry uh, when Isaac says, well, you don't have any ink. And they bring up, well, yeah, the um, the ink they used last time was from Emma because she had that that darkness within her. But she doesn't this time. But they're, he's instead going to use the ink from what he called the, the light savior, which he believes is Regina. And that somehow works. Is that is that the logic on that, Kurt? Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's so the way that I saw it is like, yes, they needed blood from they needed ink from the dark one to counteract everything the savior had done uh, in, in Storybrook. And this side, this is a story that was written with dark, basically dark savior ink. So you needed light ink. What I didn't quite get was um, how Regina qualifies for that. Like I, I, guess, got I, guess whole, I guess because she, she she made a sacrifice. She made a sacrifice. She I guess in the context of yes, like normally Emma is the savior, but if you look at if you were to look at what's been happening over this past you know seventy five minutes in in this you know side story, um, if you had to say well who's the person who's like you said made the sacrifice or who's the person who would be the the actual true hero and the true savior uh, based on their. Uh, 
the, their actions, uh, who is the, who has the, the, the lightest and brightest soul or spirit based on what they did, it would probably be Regina because of that sacrifice you mentioned. So maybe because of that sacrifice, they could then use her blood, uh, which is flowing freely <laughs> to, to, uh, to counter, you know, everything. So <laughs> just imagine Regina I, on the ground, like you might want to hurry you? up, kid. I'm bleeding pretty profusely. <laughs> yeah. This, you can, uh, Bind the wound instead of using it for ink, please. Here, why did you just like you could like give me a paper cut or something? I I did. Uh, did, did I need to get stabbed for this? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, I got I get the whole I got the whole uh, uh, light magic needs to be infused in the ink because this story was written with dark magic ink. Uh, a little less certain on the whole where Regina gets fits for that, but maybe it's like you said, it's the fact that she sacrificed something and she is the the lightest person in this story based on what they've done. So is it sort of like uh writing in white font on a black background? Exactly. Yeah. I'd be really funny though. If it was the true anti-savior, he's like, all right, I got to get from the sink. Lily, come here. I got to cut you open. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's, that's the only reason she's around now. Is act as, a, as an ink source. That's sad. But Henry's theories ring true. And he's able to write that the hero Regina undid all of Isaac's work. And, so it was told by our new author. They wake up in Storybrooke. Uh, I have to say with this whole Hook fake out, Hook's kind of an asshole in this instance. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to hide up here and listen. Yeah. I was like, oh, you little asshole. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was expecting him to pop up from behind the kitchen island, that little counter there. Yeah. I didn't expect him to be up in the law. But no, but he, he, he does explain it away that, you know, I woke up first and I went up here to... <clears throat> to look for the book or the whatever he said he was looking for. But, you know, he can obviously hear them downstairs below the loft area wondering, oh, no, oh, no, what happened? Yeah. But Emma's, uh, even though the, the trick was uh, a little immature, she was she was delighted to see him now that he's alive again. And she pushes him down on the bed. And it looks like uh, things are going to get interesting. And she's about she's about to tell him, but she doesn't tell him. Yeah, whatever. Single guy filter. <laughs> Same guy filter. No, 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 more, more magic, please. Yeah, more Santa. Yeah, that's that's the crucial part of the single guy filter. It's Santa. Santa, exactly. <laughs> Listen, man, I got we got girls. We got getting buff. We got going to clubs. We got potty. Santa. We got a potty. We got a potty. We got a potty. Get see Santa. Get Santa. <laughs> yo, that's just putrid, yo. Yo, Santa is putrid. This truck is putrid. I'm gonna go punch a tree, man. Oh, uh, so um, everyone's risen in, in Storybrooke, including Golden Isaac, as they slowly realize that their plan has <laughs> crumpled before them. Um, crum- and crumple still skin. Crumple still skin has crumpled. Uh, and Isaac immediately books it. He's like, I'm getting out of here. And he passes Belle on the way out. And Belle is uh, showing a little bit of a heart here. She's come over to make sure that, well, she's kind of, she said she's come over to make sure that he did, he wasn't going to hurt anyone. But I think she does care for him a little bit, especially after that, all that heartfelt confessional that he gave her a couple of episodes ago. But he is, he is looking worse for wear. He's at the very, very end of his rope. Yeah, he is not doing well. No. But first, we got to get Isaac arrested here. <laughs> And uh, David actually proves his usefulness for like once in a long, long time as he's the one to stop the car and he formally arrests him. And this is where we like 
we again, we, I think we talked about it previously. It's been alluded to throughout the season, but we really get Isaac saying flat out the reason why he's been doing all of this and spe- specifically the reason why he sent the two of them out on that path to go like get Maleficent's child and send her off to the real world. And he says basically that he wants to get back on what they represent, which is a lifetime of boss bad bosses <laughs> yeah i was gonna say he did all of this because his boss was a douche this was like the one scene in the entire episode i was like no i did not like this scene i did, i i i need a better rationale that isaac did this not for some reason other than the fact that his boss pushed him pushed him around and thought that he was better than everybody else like no We've all had bad bosses. None of us do this. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's it, I know he was definitely speaker speaking to the larger idea of like people, you know, bossing him, people thinking they're better than him, fossing him around. Uh, but yeah, I think him using using boss as an example, as I agree, is a, a little. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't really resonate. And we didn't even like was the guy was he alluding to the salesman from the TV yeah. stop shop? Was that his boss? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even. I, I thought he was just competitive co-worker okay so i mean I, unfortunately uh they couldn't have shown isaac horrible bosses or i think that would have completely <laughs> released any emotions he would have had like oh okay yeah i'm glad other people feel that way too yeah i don't have a nymphomaniac boss so this is good <laughs> yeah i want to have the jennifer aniston boss yeah uh but as snow white alludes to you know enforcing himself to become the hero he becomes the villain isn't that like that that dark knight quote you know uh die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> you said dark Knight, And I was thinking the, uh, the black Knight for Monty Python. I say, no, I think what he said was, it's only a flesh wound. Yeah, I believe that's uh, <laughs> it was a lost scene. I, right after he said, I'll bite your legs off. He says, uh, <laughs> exactly. you, you, you die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fun game. Like, was it said by the dark Knight or the black Knight? <laughs> um, Cause I was half expecting the Lily black Knight to have some sort of, it's only a flesh wound yeah. or I'll bite your legs they, off. They just, uh, Henry reference. just chops her arm off. Yeah. Uh, I swear, I, I don't want to talk about season five too much, but if we go to, if we, if they end up searching for Merlin, I swear to God, they better have at least three Monty Python and the Holy Grail references or I am walking. I agree. I'm on the same page with you. So Isaac is, is brought in. Are we going to, are we going to assume that he's placed in the, in the holding cell or in the insane asylum or something (laughs) filed away where he won't be talked to, especially now that he's not the author anymore. (laughs) This cell smells like burnt Selena. (laughs) Uh, um, I don't, I don't know. We don't, we don't really, I guess he does. We do see him get put in the car. I like, I like to think that he's then like driven to some like spot in the middle of the woods and kind of, you know, kind of, you know, left there in a ditch <laughs> but uh they probably that would be too evil he's probably in the holding cell and the although technically you know he's powerless um he you know according to the i guess the laws of the nation uh what has he done that's been illegal that he can actually be brought up on charges for <laughs> yeah that's true. You know what they also could do? I mean, I think we're still existing under the scroll rules here where they'll where they can put they can send people out of town and the people won't be able to get back in unless they have that scroll. They could very easily uh, do what Bell did to Rumpelstiltskin only like 11 episodes ago and say like, hey, Isaac, go over the line. Now you can't come back. Yeah, it, it's he's on the one hand, we say like, yeah, and then he'd be powerless. That'd be fine. But then there's a whole other faction of viewers will be like, you know, that's just leaving the door open for more trouble. You have to do something with him. Um, so, I mean, I'm not really sure. Sh- this is one of those things where it's like you end up 
where would it be like a lot more convenient if something heavy just fell on Isaac and put, you know, where you don't have to actually decide what to do with or it. Or it was like, I'm going to take you away. And he just like has a heart attack, like Orphan Black, exactly. where he just like gets hit, gets hit on the nail with a hammer and that makes him go into cardiac arrest. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. My guess is easy, you know, simplest answer, Occam's razor. They put him in a cell in the sheriff's station. Hopefully, yeah. again, not the one that smells like burnt Selena. Yeah. Maybe one of the questions we'll get to talk about next week is is whether they'll use Isaac moving forward. My guess is no, considering how many of the other uh, town members have been reduced to purple status. But I think we might want to call a wrap on Isaac here. Yeah. So the apprentice has a, a nice little scene with Henry. We kind of talked about this before, about how he he assures him that he can't bring his father back from the dead. What did you think of Henry's decision to ultimately snap the quill and he, he gives the remark that, you know, uh, just kind of quote Kanye West, no one man should have all that power. Uh, and he decides to kind of get rid of his role as the author to make sure that everyone's living their own story. Kind of presumptuous on Henry's part. Like it, it, the, uh, the, the apprentice's reaction makes it seem a little bit like this Oh, 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 this was yet another test, Henry. <laughs> you know what Sorry, happened, Henry, like, to the boy who had everything. Who could, <laughs> he, he lived he, happily he ever after. after. Get in my elevator, Henry. <laughs> Creepy. Um, I, I'm really hoping, again, not to get too far, just, I'm hoping in season five we get more of The Apprentice just so I can bust out the, the Santa Claus impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this, he... Again, I guess that, that goes back to my initial comment about you know, if the job description of the author, which we haven't really gotten much detail on, but it seems like it doesn't involve anything magical. It's about telling stories and propagating stories and spreading magic of the written word uh, and of tales told. Uh, there doesn't need to be magic ink with which you can alter reality. It's like it's like, you know, giving a, a you know a college intern at your job, you're putting on a computer and saying, you see this chainsaw over here that's within easy reach. You don't need this for anything you do here, but it's right here. Don't touch it. Don't use it, but it's right here. Um, if you know, maybe Henry needs to actually start writing. I don't know if this ends Henry's brief career of, as an author, <laughs> and they suddenly goes on to somebody else. But um, yeah, it's, Again, the, you know, uh, Santa apprentice seems perfectly fine and almost pleased by the, the fact that Henry did that. So, um, yeah, I, I think, but I was, I was surprised to see that him actually take that route. Yeah. I think Santa apprentice was relieved just because of the way the last one went. He's like, okay, now I, so weight off my shoulders and I don't need to think about that anymore. The he'll, he'll find out very soon that he has other much worse things to think about than the thought of Henry being the author. I can see the apprentice being like, well, kids don't really read these days because of that internet. So yeah, he's gonna uh, be maybe, writing, he's gonna be writing a story in emojis. I, I was yeah, I was wondering. He's like, did he just turn Henry into the like the a blogger? <laughs> and uh, like, so yeah, Henry Henry's the Carrie Bradshaw of Storybrook. Oh my goodness, no! I I, I consider myself to be a Henry in this circle of friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I'm more of a hook. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Again, again, this will be, I think, more season five discussion is what is what is to become of Henry slash the author? Yeah, so the role, the, the job description of the let's, author. Let's let's put a bookmark on that. No pun intended. And let's let's see Gold's quote unquote last words here with Bell. Uh, and it sort of is sort of an extension of the scene, actually, that they have 
in the storybook where he's, he's talking about how, you know, I, I pushed you away because I, I didn't think I was good enough because nobody could love someone like me. And uh, again, for all this kind of teasing around we've done with, with Belle and, and Gold, I think this was, this was a very nice scene to kind of... Uh, granted, I know Gold still has a couple more scenes and I presume that he's alive going forward into season five, but this was a nice little culmination of their relationship considering the trajectory that it went through throughout the half season. Yeah, especially I think the part where um, she that Gold tells her to go with Will and she reveals that she's not in love with Will and she's not letting him die alone. And it was at this point I was like, um, will, uh, will true love's kiss fix, doc, fix gold? Um, but I don't, we never really get to that point. It, it kind of becomes a moot point. <laughs> but I mean, I, you got to love the parallels here too, because I mean, gold is just like Regina in the alternate storyline where he, he is totally in disbelief that anyone could love him. So he's not able to let love into his heart and let in hope. Like was what was talked mm-hmm. about earlier. And we have the, actually the exact mirroring of the line. I'm not going to let you die alone. So that's some nice mirroring on the, on the writer's part that they, they were able to utilize with this two hour episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think again, I think this points back to again how you summarized this versus the final two hours of season three. I think this this seems like it was much better constructed. Yeah, I think it was it was just much more well planned out. I would say. Granted, I know yeah. we 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 this last half hour is a little weird that it's outside of the reality, but I think things happen. The things were plotted out really nicely throughout. But screw all this romance stuff, Kerr. Let's go to Granny's. There's a party. There's a party, as there always is. Yes, the the other restaurant was booked solid, so they have to have the party at Granny's. The, the annual party at Granny's of, oh my God, we're all still alive, thank God. I would love to see either the producers of the show or fans, like based on everything over the past four seasons, this may even exist, everything over the four seasons, what is Granny's menu? Like, I want to see, is it, is it like a cheesecake I mean, factory it's where got, it's, it's a binder? Be- it's got, yeah, it's got the best burger. That's all I know. Oh, they had that, uh, that weird stacked chocolate cake that we mentioned a few episodes ago. Is, is, is there a specialty there? Like, I was trying to pause at one point to see exactly what was, like, on, like, underneath the heat lamps in the back. And, like, is it one of those places that, like I said, Cheesecake Factory is, like, the binder-sized menu that serves pretty much yeah. every, every genre of food imaginable. Um, I, I'd love to see an example of what Granny's menu is. Yeah, so maybe that's a, that'll be a hope for season five is we we get a nice episode dedicated to the menu at Granny's. Maybe someone will try every single item on the menu. Surprised that a Granny's diner has not opened up at one of the Disney parks. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know how much the Disney parks are committed to like the Once Upon a Time theme because it is a little bit of like a mature theme. And I know Disney tends to skew more towards kids in some of the s- specific parts of the park. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll maybe it'll spring up in lieu of Pleasure Island. Yeah, true. It's um. It, it, or I can see it living in Fantasyland. I can see it springing up uh, somewhere in the, the the Pleasure Island downtown Disney area. Um, but yeah, it'll it's. It, I think they're missing out some of those. Like, they, there's lots of obviously Disney tie-ins. I think that they can they can do a Granny's Diner and actually turn a pretty penny. Yeah, very true. But we got some baby daddy drama here, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> kinda, kinda. Uh, well, which well, 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 turn like, well, are we talking about? Zelina and Robin, or are we talking about Lily? Well, Zelina and Robin was kind of settled, right? They just said, oh, yeah, Zelina, yeah, yeah, Zelina's yeah. still there. We'll take care of it. Let's go walk in the moonlight. Uh, Lily's the one that I'm much more yeah. intrigued about. Yeah, the, the whole Zelina, Robin, Regina thing is really not a triangle anymore. And Regina has thankfully taken our advice and is okay with moving ahead with her happiness with Robin, with Zelina 
squared away somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, and, yeah the, and, and, uh, and Robin seems okay with considering how how duped he was before to say, oh, okay, let's just keep her locked up, and she'll have the yeah. baby, and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, Roland will just deal with whatever he, mommy issues he ends up having. Yeah, we'll just um, to Roland a long time from now. Now, yeah, we get the little bit a return of. I remember that in the past couple episodes, we were talking about what exactly that pendant was around Lily's neck. I thought that it was a claw or a tooth of some kind. Um, I was close in that it was like remnant related. It was it was definitely yeah, dra- piece, of, piece of the dragon egg, right? Yeah. That's it. It's like wearing a piece of the placenta around your neck. As that's, we're wont to do. <laughs> uh, I've got five uh, of those necklaces myself. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, this, yeah, it was interesting like that. She we said that we she kept this because it's all that she has also left of her father. And I guess we hadn't really thought about, you know, how Maleficent got knocked up. <laughs> Yeah, it's something that I don't necessarily think a lot about dragon intercourse in my spare time. And I, I'm a little ashamed that Once Upon a Time is now going to make me have to do so probably intermittently over the course of the next three months. Yeah. Do not Google dragon intercourse. Do not. <laughs> not safe for work. Um, yeah, it was, I just thought maybe that they spontaneously... Uh, you know, got impregnated. I don't know. Um, but I also like the fact that she, you know, Lily's uh, says, or asked Lily, well, did you, you know, ask your mom? And it's more like, well, he looked like a dragon. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much all of them, all that Maleficent knows apparently. Um, and that, and, you know, I, I guess there is no uh, parallel between what a dragon looks like as a dragon and what a dragon looks like as an inhuman form. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. So this will, uh, and here we, we see that. Uh, so I think I'm going to stick around a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we actually, you know, I was talking about the, the ensemble cast uh, being disrupted before we might have a slight addition. Do you think she might be bumped up to like recurring guest star next season? Um, I think we'll see her. Don't know what the official status would be, but I think like we had said uh, last episode is that, you know, she thinks about staying for a week and we're like, no one ever just stays in storybook for a week, nope. Lily. And, and sure enough, it's the, not it's the overlook motel of main towns. Exactly. <laughs> never check out. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so we, we're going to get a little bit more Lily. Good, but not not more Lily for now because uh, our main characters have to rush to the pawn shop because Gold is literally on his deathbed. Though I guess it's death floor, and this is where this is where we we just sort of move out of everything that's been going on the past hour forty five minutes and go into a completely <laughs> different territory. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk some darkness here, Kurt. Yes, lots of darkness, lots of darkness effects, lots of darkness. yes, ad- advanced yeah. darkness. Yes, enhanced darkness. Um, again, this is this is a little. This reminded me a little bit of the beginning of the episode where where we like uh, learn all the things this hat can do when the hat is in the right hands of the right people. Yeah, exactly. Which again, because the question they could have just brought this guy out a long time ago. I'm sure you have a lot more answers, including you know, gold wouldn't have to have this happen if he, if the apprentice was there to say, oh no, you don't you don't need to change your ending. I just we can just try to put it in this box and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 start suck the essence of the dark one into a hat. Yeah, basically, which I didn't know uh, the hat could suck up essences. But uh, Gold's heart is is from turned from black into pure white, which I know um, we're probably going to talk about for at least a few minutes on the feedback show. So I'll reserve any talk about that. It might tie into oh, this. Oh, good, whole- because 
I completely didn't notice that, so I look forward to talking yeah, about his, that. His heart was like, yeah. maybe it was the color saturation on my TV, but from what I saw, and I, I know at least one listener pointed it out as well, the apprentice, when he pulled out the heart after it was saturated, looked <laughs> bright white. I'm just picturing Donald Trump like reaching and pulling out a heart. And, oh, that needs to be a mashup sometime. Um, Who was your strongest player? <laughs> talks it says it into the heart. Yeah. Come here. Um, <laughs> you can send them in. Um, yeah, no, 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 I completely buy that. Just something I, I didn't, I completely overlooked. And yeah, that, that, that definitely brings up a, many lines of conversation for where season five could go. So yeah, I will also bookmark that. And, uh, but the, yeah, this, the swirly darkness gets sucked into the hat for like 10 seconds. <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to say that they want to say, well, we have the money for this darkness effect. So let's make sure it gets a lot of screen time between this and the way that it's used later on out in the streets. Uh, we get a lot of darkness screen time. It's like, it just, just like the, how long it was between the glance between uh, Robin and Regina back at the wedding. Uh, this seemed to also take forever. Yeah. Uh, though to be fair, when leading into this, the, they're like, you know, will the hat hold the darkness? And the apprentice is basically saying, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this could, this, this, this should work. We'll see. Yeah. So oh, oh, oh. <laughs> don't worry, everyone. Um, but we, so to, to leave off gold here, um, he's obviously drained once, even though his heart's put back then he's, he's pretty much drained. And I think the apprentice alludes to the fact that now that he's no longer, he's sapped the power of the dark one. He's has to kind of rebuild himself as a person. And so he's kind of placed under this, I guess, like protection Spaces spell. Yeah. Um, but before they can really talk about what just happened, the darkness escapes the box and swirls into the apprentice. This is the first of maybe like three fake outs that's going to happen over the next 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, great. Now we're going to have the evil apprentice. But nope. Uh, Emma uses her light magic to get rid of that darkness and sends it outside. Yeah. And this is where and I think I can talk about this without it being uh, uh, this, this. This would have normally been season five, you know, you know, fodder. But I was like, OK, so season five is going to be all about like who is the dark one. And it's going to be a little bit Battlestar Galactica in terms of who are the Cylons and who are the real people. And, and, and it's kind of like being turning seasons, turning season five into maybe a little bit of a mystery. And that as they have to figure out who the new host is, which could have been an interesting way for it to go, but it did not. <laughs> no, no, it made itself uh, quite obvious. Yeah. I, I thought that I thought for a second that when they ran out into the street that like, the darkness was like seeping into the town and maybe there's like a black fog rolling in and next season would be about like everyone exploring their dark sides, which would be like an advanced version of the spell of shattered sites. But we get a little bit more mythology here, Kurt, where the apprentice talks about before their stories were made, the sorcerer apparently battled this large darkness, which the sorcerer then contained in within a human vessel that was controlled by the dagger and if they want to uh, defeat this darkness, they can. They need to find the sorcerer. He's the only person who can defeat them. And he drops one word that is kind of a game changer. Merlin. Yeah. And I then, can't remember if we... Because there have been a couple times when we've talked about who the sorcerer is. I can't remember if we ever threw Merlin's name out there. I don't think we did. We've encountered Merlin uh, once before, I think in season two, and we had a fake Merlin, right? Well, uh, I... I I don't remember. So there, there was there was Blance a lot, and then there was like the sword, <laughs> the sword and the stone, and those are the only two times I remember uh, right. the King I, Arthur mythos coming out. I think there was like I think during when we talked about those, we talked about Merlin at some point. I don't know if they brought him up as a name. 
Uh, I don't think we, we never saw him as a character. I can't remember if they brought up the name of Merlin or if we did. Um, I think at one point we see, you know, because the sword in the stone uh, was a Disney, you know, Disney movie uh, that we could potentially see Merlin uh, as, as a character or the, the, that whole, uh, we already saw Blancelot, as you said. Um, so I think at least the Merlin name came up once during maybe the recap shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've got the answer to who the sorcerer is. And it's Merlin. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt. Did the apprentice die or did he just collapse? I believe he just collapsed. I don't believe that he is necessarily dead. So, yeah, I think I think it, we, the word is out on that one. Okay, so he's he's a question mark. And um, there's a bunch of question marks that are raised more as our heroes run out into the street to pursue the darkness. Um, first, it hits Regina. That's fake out ending number two. Yeah, we think that I, and that and all of it. Watch my disappointment rise. Yeah, <laughs> I was I totally started rolling, preparing to roll my eyes, saying like, great. Now that Regina's found her happy ending, she's going to become the evil queen again. We already saw that spell of shattered sights, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the big sacrifice that everyone has been alluding to with Emma, where she grabs the dagger and she lists out a bunch of reasons why she she wants to make the sacrifice. A, she figures Regina has worked too hard for her happy ending and now she's finally gotten it. B, her parents have rescued her from the, being on the dark side beforehand so they can hopefully do it once again. She pleads them to go find Merlin. She finally tells Hook she loves him in a sort of Han Solo being frozen in carbonite moment. And Emma shoves the dagger into the darkness if that works somehow, is surrounded, and disappears. How come she didn't do the whole light thing like she did to the sorcerer? That's the first like. Do what you did to the sorcerer, but do it to Regina now, because it seemed to work before. Well, I I thought I saw her like extend her hand, and I at least made the assumption that she had like quote unquote run, run out of light magic, ran out of juice. Yeah, because that can happen okay. sometimes. I think. Yeah, yeah, she needs like a portable charger. Yeah, uh, um, that's that's fine. The only thing I was thinking, the, the, and so that was the the and like I said, the eye roll when it was at uh, when it went into Regina. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then why didn't you hit her with your light magic, with your magic? Um, otherwise, I was, I was they, the only other, I think, outstanding question I had was like, stop just showing everybody looking at the dagger on the ground and somebody else grab the dagger. Yeah, well, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, I think if I was writing this once upon a time, this is how season five would start. Someone picks up the dagger. I order the, the new dark one, Emma, to go to this loft and to never leave and to never hurt anybody. There we go. <laughs> season over yes. but 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 again just like just like wishes there are always there will always be loopholes that will be discovered yeah i guess i guess that's very true there's definitely a, a non, not a numbers loophole but a darkness loophole here yes um so yeah so emma uh, by all things that we can tell is the dark one now yeah, uh, which, again, is something that someone that a lot of our listeners called. Again, we'll dive much more into this in the yeah. feedback show. But, Kurt, do you have any sort of like general thoughts you have about this? Not happy. Not happy? I, not happy. Um, only because I, I, I felt we had explored that enough. And her and Emma's, Emma exploring her dark side and becoming petulant. Uh, in many episodes this season already. And it was it was kind of like a slow decline into Emma having more and more of a temper. And I was I thought that we were done with that. And I realized we haven't gone full blown dark one. Um, and that that's probably what we'll be we'll be seeing. And it's probably I'm hoping it just feels very different than Emma becoming slowly darker and darker uh, as the villains 
of darkness and and the and the dark one himself and, and Mr. Gold are kind of prodding her to get moodier and moodier and gothier and gothier. I um I, so I, I I, I think I'm I'm optimistic. I think it will be different because I think there's a difference between like Rumble Stillskin as the dark one. Let's remember, granted, he was a little bit of a caricature, but it wasn't necessarily that he was, you know, dark and brooding. He was actually the opposite. He was more like malicious and very set on like making deals. Yeah. So if if she's really taking if that's what the role of the dark one is, I'm intrigued to see like this sort of more Machiavellian emma next season yeah. uh, it's hard to, it's hard to be machiavellian when everybody knows you're machiavellian that's very and, true she kind of definitely forced her hand in having the darkness surround her it's gonna be like you know you know richard hatch and all stars uh in terms of everybody's got their eye out for him um i guess i guess maybe a better another way to put it is part of again i i like when once upon a time explores the fairy tale universe and brings in new characters I liked it when we when they did it with um, I liked it when they did it with uh, with Zelina. I liked it when they did it with the, the 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 trio of villains. And so, if the again, I say if the main baddie in season five, or at least the front half, is an evil Emma, it loses our opportunity to be introduced to a new character, and that's kind of what I like about the series. So, I think that might be my biggest sticking point. Mm-hmm. Which is a, which again is completely just a personal preference and what I like about the yeah. show. I I'll say I don't know how to feel about it because it's it'll be different. I I guess I yeah. think I'm gonna have to wait until I'm more fully entrenched in that storyline to figure out whether it's better or worse than something like the Frozen storyline or the Queens of Darkness storyline. But it's different and that's exciting because you know and if a fourth season for a show sometimes is when things start to become a yeah. little trite and we saw that a couple times this season but at least now the writers are kind of saying well we're going to try something different this time in more ways than yeah. one and i think there's something just about just the stories i like where i don't enjoy watching good turn evil just in terms of storylines and so again that's it's i think maybe that might be what i'm reacting to but i, I approach season five with an open mind so if any a week to give feedback, guys, this is the week and week slash week and a half to do so, because as, as Kurt and I talked about at the top of the podcast next Thursday night, we are going to be recording our season four wrap up slash listener feedback show. So please, 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 I implore you send us any and all theories or comments or questions you may have about things moving forward or even looking back as always you can tweet to us kurt is at kurt clark i'm at a mike bloom type and you can also always respond on the show page as well uh right here on post show recaps in in the comments section and i'll be sure to uh put a thread up on the patreon group as well you have a, a bunch of ways to contact us again still working on that email address i'll let you all know that pops up but otherwise uh well well, i guess we'll put a little bookmark here in season four episodic discussion but i'm looking forward to talking about it on the whole uh while while you're checking this out be sure to check out all the other stuff going on on post show recaps Uh, game of thrones coverage is as strong as ever uh snl is about to finish up uh rob sesternino and rich tackenberg just recapped the reese witherspoon episode i actually did a little podcast with rich tackenberg the the earlier in the week about the show last the last man on earth which was a, a lot of fun and as always jessica lisa and i are doing weekly recaps of orphan black kurt do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you're going to be doing outside of post-show recaps starting this week uh yeah uh, actually for those of you who enjoy um 
the Big Brother coverage uh, and are watching currently Big Brother Canada, uh, you may realize, you may remember that uh, I actually do cover some of the international, uh, non-North American versions of Big Brother. And Big Brother UK starts this Tuesday. So we're recording this on Monday evening. It actually starts tomorrow. Uh, we are expecting a two-night launch event, and I plan on covering the launch night events with a couple other uh, uh, reality TV wrap-ups recappers and then it's going to have weekly coverage moving forward uh, as well each weekend so looking forward to kicking that off this week if you haven't seen big brother uk before and you like big brother canada more than you like big brother us you might want to give big brother uk a try it's got a lot of the uh, uh a lot of the, lots of twists and lots of drama it's good fun but not a fairy tale theme like it was last year right uh correct the actually the i think the celebrity big brother uk um was uh, that aired this past January was a fairy tale theme. The theme for this summer is uh, for the civilian version is time bomb uh, with the idea that uh, time will mean nothing in the house and that things can fast forward and rewind and you might see people from past seasons or they're just going to play a lot with the concept of time this year. So it's, we're looking forward. Actually, they did something that they've never done before is that they've, they've revealed the, the cast actually a couple of days before the, the launch night, which is new for them. So they're already kind of playing with the, with how they approach time in this. So, yeah, so it should be good, good fun. Big Brother UK is a show where basically everyone kind of gets to be their own Isaac and the audience is, it gets to determine all eliminations exactly yeah so to finish things up after this supersized two-hour podcast kurt do you have a hashtag for people who have made it through all the way in this recap um can we go with hashtag single guy filter yes uh <laughs> hashtag single guy filter uh not you know no offense to any of uh anybody who's married or or uh who is not a single white guy out there not white. Why did I put white in there? Um, that's I'm not. I was thinking of the light one. Uh, single. I was thinking of single white. You're just single white female. Yeah. So I am not Jennifer Jason Lee or whoever was in that. <laughs> so hashtag uh, single guy filter if you made it all the way through. As always, thank you again for listening. Uh, we will be back next week for our feedback show. Really excited to hear what you guys have to say about both this episode and the season as a whole. And remember, if you ever need some illustrations for an upcoming book report, just ask August. He'll draw you some really quality sketches. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.